Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello everybody, it's Wednesday, June 19th, 2013, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I am in the house with Steve Say. What's going on? Mr. Bob Ryer. Yellow. And Stephanie Cook. Sup. Alright guys, we are back from our Talking Comics Podcast. Uh, this Our topic this week, we are going to be reviewing uh, the, man, the new Man of Steel film from... From DC and Warner Brothers. That is until much, much later on, though. Uh, of course, going to have our books of the week. Uh, but starting off with a little bit of news, a little comic book news. Uh, we had a bunch of big announcements this week that happened at DC, uh, especially. Uh, we got the announcement of two new books and one uh, team replacement. Uh, so we'll start off with the replacement. Uh, we, we heard a couple weeks ago uh, James Robinson was leaving DC and Earth 2. Uh, we found out... Uh, this past week, that Tom Taylor, who is the writer of the Injustice Gods Among Us tie-in comic, will be taking over duties on Earth 2. He will not be doing duties on Earth 2, but okay, Sarah Silverman, he yeah. will be writing Earth 2. Uh, Nicholas Scott is staying on uh, okay. as the artist. Um, What's so, Injustice Gods Among Us like? Uh, if you don't mind me it's asking. It's like a- Man of Steel. No. no yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's a... Uh, it's an alternate universe DC story. I mean, it's obviously very, very dark because it's about, you know, uh, uh, it's in the, this kind of fighting game thing where it's Mortal Kombat sort of deal, okay. you know. So it, it, basically the story of Injustice is uh, the Joker tricks Superman. Uh, in, he doses them with the Jer- Scarecrow's fear gas and he sees Lois as Doomsday. Wow. And he kills Lois before he realizes who she is. And then after he does that, uh, which also then sets off a nuclear bomb in Metropolis, because uh, it's attached to Lois's heart, it's on her heart monitor, uh, he kind of goes crazy and kind of takes over the world. He's like, I can't let anybody else get hurt. Uh, and this is what it is. And then Batman, of course, is the one who's okay. against him, because that's what happens. Uh, so, you know, uh, Tom Taylor is writing alternate universe, DC universe stuff now. Uh, it's been very successful. And so now he's taking over Earth 2. Uh, the question is, Bob, I mean, w- will a new writer get you to check out that book again? Nope. No? Especially hearing that. I mean, yeah. it's been very dark over there to begin with. It's yeah. all an apocalypse war, mm. and the new versions of the old heroes don't strike my fancy. Mm-hmm. I might try one. I love uh, Nicholas Scott, mm-hmm. so I, just to say I tried one. Right. Especially if I, I end up dropping World's Finest somewhere mm-hmm. down the road. Right. Or they end up dropping it on you. Well, that's which uh, is probably more likely what's yeah, going to happen first. Eighteen thousand sales or wherever we yeah. were last time around. <laughs> um, uh, Steve, you haven't read any of the Injustice comic, right? I have not. I actually picked up my my first uh, Injustice number one last night uh, at Rob's house. I was hanging out for a bit, 
and thumbing through it. Mm. And I mean, it looked interesting, but uh, I don't care for the game, so I wasn't interested in the comic. Uh, the idea, I mean, it's cool that they're putting new talent on the book. I don't know that it's enough to get me to read it, though. Mm. I might check out an issue just to see if, you know, if there's a radical change from from what it was or where it was going. And it mm. could, to be fair, I dropped off of it pretty early. Yeah. It could be something totally different by now, mm. and I wouldn't even know. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of things starting up in the next couple weeks, and mm-hmm. I just I don't know if that would make the list. Mm-hmm. If I hear good word of mouth, though, maybe I'll check it out. Yeah, I mean, the Just Comic is well written; it's a well written book, so it definitely gives me uh, some interest in picking the book up again. And like seems to do, I dropped it for I think third or fourth issue, yeah. so I have no idea the level of quality now as opposed to before. But I, when I was reading before, I wasn't digging it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Stephanie, have you read any of the Injustice stuff? Or does no, this make you even no, a little bit... No, just kind of... Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, what? No, does this even make you a little curious to look at Earth 2? No, mm-hmm. not really. Um, I didn't read Injustice, and I don't really have any desire to read the Earth 2 stuff either. So it's kind of just like, eh, for me. Right. Um, I mean, I've heard I've heard really good things about the Injustice comic for people yeah. that do like it. Yeah. I mean, it flies off the shelves. People can't, can't keep mm-hmm. it, you know, so... Who knows? Maybe they know something that I don't. Yeah, so I it definitely get. I'll definitely like you guys are saying. I'm definitely gonna pick up the the first issue that he writes to see uh, what direction he takes it. And um, but I'm glad that the art is staying the same because the art was always uh, really beautiful. Uh, in in a kind of similar announcement in a new book, um, we've been teased for a while that Keith Giffen, uh, Jade M D M T S, and Kevin McGuire would be working on a book together. We now know that book is Justice League three thousand, which replaces. Uh, basically the Legion of Superheroes book as a futuristic uh, take uh, on the Justice League characters. Uh, The first art has Superman, uh, The Flash, Batman, Wonder Woman, and a character who I'm not sure who it is. It looks sort of like Raven, but it's green. Uh, Jesse? Yeah, Hmm. sure. Uh, Oh, it's Green Lantern. It's like a different take on the Green Lantern. Uh, Hmm. But kind of looks sort of Ravenish with a hood. It looks kind of cool. Yeah, it looks very cool. I like Uh, the art. The art's rather neat yeah those Could those be jade uh, under there uh from, those designs uh, are done by howard porter uh who obviously wrote, did did art on justice mm. league for a very very long time uh i mean the giffen uh and dimateus uh, are known uh, known big time as a team because they did kind of a funnier take on the justice league uh, yeah, earlier with on. McGuire. With McGuire. Yeah, so the yep. team's reuniting. So did you read those books, Bob? Sure. There's a lot of fun, very different sort mm-hmm. of take right. on it. But it, you had that was the whole Booster Gold, yeah. Detroit era, whatever. Mm-hmm. Lots of fun stuff. Uh, can't help but be interested. Yeah. You know, McGuire is just one of my favorites. And mm-hmm. have him back on a book mm-hmm. after leaving World's Finest would be just a lot of fun. And right. Giffen's an acquired taste. I gotta warn everybody. Yeah, he yeah. is out there, <laughs> yeah. really out there. This is not going to be straight superheroics. It'll be very different for what DC's putting out right now. So, very good on them. Yeah. Mm. And what we do see here, I think, and we talked about this last week when we were talking about Aven- Mighty Avengers, uh, them using the Justice League brand to start a book that's a little different. Uh, I think to keep the sales somewhere where they can, mm. they can afford to keep it going. Uh, designs look really cool. One of the things that kind of lit up the internet about this was the the Flash, and he has red hair, and so people are clamoring that it's yeah. Wally West. Like they're just hoping that that, mm-hmm. that it's Wally West. Uh, Stephanie, did you see this announcement at all? And what do you think of this idea of this futuristic Justice League? Um, it could be kind of cool if it's well done, mm. but I, I'm not like a huge Justice League fan to begin with, so. It would have to be something that I've heard is amazing for me to want to go check it out. 
Um, But, uh, you know, it's sort of so-so for me on this news, too. Gotcha. Uh, And uh, last but not least, uh, we've got a new new book, Superman Wonder Woman, uh, written by Charles Soule. Uh, who we've been talking about a lot in the last couple of weeks, right around Swamp Thing. He's yep. taking over Thunderbolts. Uh, and uh, art by Tony Daniel, who most recently just did Action Comics, uh, the run that Andy Diggle had left. Uh, and he wrapped up that before. And he said there was something big coming. Uh, so, interesting creative team. Uh, Stephanie, what do you think about a Superman Wonder Woman book? Um, this is another one where it's like, sort of, and to me, like, I love Wonder Woman, but like Superman is kind of like, yeah. To me, the comics haven't been great in the last little while. So, I mean, it's partially intriguing for, you know, the Wonder Woman bit, but then mostly not. Mm. Have you read any? You haven't read any of the new Swamp Thing, right? Yeah, I've, I've read everything but, like, the latest issue. I think he, um, he's written two issues that are out now, right? He's written three now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. I've read two of them. Just yeah. haven't read the latest one. But, I mean, I really dig it. Cool. So, you know, I would be interested to check it out for him, but maybe not necessarily for. It would have to be really good for me to stick with it. Right, absolutely, but that should be the case. That's any, any book, book really. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Steve, what do you think about this? Um, I know that I'll end up checking it out mm-hmm. either way, uh, just because of the the nature of the book, and uh, I do really like Charles Soule. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's doing a, a really good job on Swamp Thing. Uh, I can't wait to read Strange Attractors, mm-hmm. and. Uh, he just he seems like somebody that they're they're giving some pretty cool projects to. So, um and I also like the the artist as well. Yeah, I saw Daniel. some of the art from yeah. from those books and uh I rather enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely cool. Bob, what do you think? I'd love that it'd be a Wonder Woman book in the DC universe. <laughs> since there isn't one pro- uh, presently. Uh my real problem is right away with this uh, the cover image, it's Superman's girlfriend Wonder Woman. Well, we don't know that, but they're. I know, they, but right, right away we're going for that she's a plus one. I don't think. Of. I, I don't they, think so. There's an interview with Charles Soul where he's he's stated directly that that is not going to happen in this book. She is going to be on a level playing field with him, no doubt about it. She's not a plus one or the girlfriend. He goes the point. The whole purpose of this book is to abolish that image. Okay, then they should not use that image to solicit the book. Because that's the first thought I had looking at it. I don't know. I, I don't think that her dating Superman... I think that's wrong right away. You know, less, I know, but I don't think it yeah. lessens her. Why does it lessen her any more than it would lessen Superman? I don't understand. Like, it's not like he's like, you know, like got her bent over a table or anything. They're just <laughs> kissing. You know? It's a mistake. Yeah. Well, you... Yeah. I mean... For, for me, it's definitely not where that character has been. It might be where it is now, mm. but it's just not historically where that character has been. Well, so I, if if he's saying that in an interview, I will try one just mm-hmm. to hope that there's something with her and I can buy. Right. I mean, I, I I'm excited about it. I think that I like Tony Daniels' art, and uh, I I've really been liking Charles Soule as a writer. And the same thing kind of goes for the Justice League thing, which I didn't really talk about too much. But I'm excited. You know, I don't know what any idea what the, the tone of the Wonder Woman uh, Superman book is, obviously, but the idea of the tone of Justice League 3000 being more lighthearted, a little crazier. I want a little bit of crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, it's, not even, it's not even less the lightheartedness. I don't even care about that. I want a little bit of craziness in, in my comic books sometimes, you yeah. know? Uh, and I have, the, I have that in other places, but it'd be cool to have it with some characters like this. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, we talked about Earth 2 a little bit, and, and it's not a book that I was really digging, but what I do like about that is 
it seemed like James Robinson was able to do more interesting things as far as picking characters certain places, dealing with characters, killing characters, whatever, and not have it be this giant thing because these characters are basically new creations for him, Mm -hmm. even though they're based on older characters. Um, And I think this is going to be something similar. I think they'll get to play a little bit more with relationships and storylines, and I look forward to that. Um, this the outfit in, in of the Batman character looks a little bit like the one they showed for the Earth Two Batman. It's also slightly Batman Beyondish, but I don't think he, it's too. It's way too in the future for it to be Batman Beyond because uh, mm-hmm. he's supposed to have yeah. known Bruce Wayne. So that's a little tough considering yeah. it's three thousand. Um, but I, I I'm pretty psyched about all of these changes over there. Uh, you know, we we have Superman Unchained, which we're going to talk about. Obviously, when we get to books of the week and stuff. Um, we have Superman Batman coming out from Greg Pak, and this book as well. Uh, Charles Soule is another guy I like as far as a writer goes. I'm excited for these kind of three places where Superman seems to be hopefully rehabilitating himself in the New Fifty Two, even though it's outside those two major titles, obviously. But if they're new series, a it gets people to pick them up more than picking up Action Comics 19, they'll pick up Superman Batman mm-hmm. number one or Superman Wonder Woman number one. And if these are kind of these more rehabilitated versions of the characters with these really good writers and this more, you know, uh, this better compass to what direction they want to take them, I'm excited to see where those where, where those things go. Uh, on the Marvel side of things in the movie universe, uh, really quick, uh, we've got some Spider-Man news. Sony announced Amazing Spider-Man 3 and 4, Coming out in yeah. 2014, I think it was 2016, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Uh, so that's pretty crazy, uh, especially 2014 is next year. Uh, but the what? See, I think I got those dates right. Correct? It's 2014, 2016. I think that's what it is. Um, so know. maybe I'm wrong. I'm looking it up right now. Oh, 2016, 2018. Sorry, sorry. Okay. So yeah, it's three years and then another two years after that, uh, which it shows an awful lot of. Uh, belief in that franchise yeah. about what's going to happen uh stephanie you liked the amazing spider-man one are you excited about making spider-man two and what do you think it says about them announcing these next two movies um i mean i don't know how i feel about four movies like i feel like it's a bit i mean it's nice mm-hmm. that they're willing to put so much into um you know the series but i feel like anything past a trilogy is starting to fall into like Fast and the Furious 6, and then, you know, it's like, it's, I, I feel like there's, should always be a set amount of movies in a way, because they kind of get a bit carried away. I mean, I don't know anything about those movies, so, mm. I mean, I can't speak on whether they'll be any good or not, but. Right. Which movies? I don't know. Spider-Man? The Spider-Man movies. The Spider-Man. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. I think what, we, I agree with you about trilogies, because parts, th- the third parts of these always seem to be a little threadbare. Mm-hmm. But I think what we have here is two, two-part movies. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think that's what I suspect too. I yeah. think that three is going to be like Amazing Spider-Man, the finale, part one, and then part two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, that I, doesn't really—they don't usually do them two years apart, though. Either like if it's oh part one, part two, they're usually like six months. Oh, apart. I don't. I don't mean it that way. What mm-hmm. I mean is you're going to have a different cast three and four in one particular avenue. You're, you're not not obviously Spider Man. You're not talking about right. No, we'll have Spider Man. Yeah, yeah. But 
the, the supporting cast you're the talking supporting about. cast yeah. there'll be a major change in the supporting cast probably yes. in this one yeah probably I'm trying to be as spoiler yeah free yeah as possible. no 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 absolutely I, I absolutely i get that i think i know what you speak of yeah. yeah yeah so i think that starts it fresh again yeah uh there's been well, a there's been a sorry seven go ahead oh i was just gonna say too i mean again i really liked the first one and i don't know what the second one holds but they're already starting to seemingly from the outside become guilty of too many villains oh absolutely mm-hmm. and like i don't know how well that bodes for more movies in the series i mean i know what they're building up to for this like i know why they have all these villains right but at the same time like it it, it seems like in order for these movies to be any good they need to kind of dumb that down a bit because you're not absorbing it in text and pictures like on a page you're watching it on a screen Right. Uh, the thing I think, and this is the only thing I'm getting from all of these, Mark Wade, Mark Wade, <laughs> Mark Webb posts a ridiculous amount of pictures and stuff from the set. And there's been, you know, a ton of casting announcements, a ton of rumors. Uh, and I, I, I don't want to go into too much of them because I don't want to spoil anybody if, if they don't want to, they want to be surprised by this stuff. But, you know, we've heard, you know, rumors about, you know, who Comfior is playing and who Felicity Jones is playing and all this other stuff. So, I, I what I think they're doing, and I think they're going to try something interesting and in a different way, similar to what Marvel's doing, but in in in, in a in a different way because it's not multiple movies; it's it's one set of movies. Is I really do think they're building a universe around the character, mm, yeah. and I think yeah, maybe maybe there's going to be references to other villains in this movie. But I think what they're doing is seeding those other movies, and yeah. they're casting these bigger actors because look, we'll cat, well, they'll, they'll appear for a little bit in this movie, and we'll kind of be like, oh, maybe this will happen, maybe the accent will happen that changes them. But they're not going to be the villain in this movie; they're going to come in later. Yeah, foreshadow three and four, and we've established them already. So yep. all of a sudden, we have this giant universe we've created with all these characters and all these people. And we don't have to use them all the time, but we can set them up. So in four, all of a sudden, you know, we set up, let's say, the vulture in number two, and now we're going to pay him off in number four, where he's going to come back and he's going to do, do his thing. So, I mean, I might be totally wrong about that, but I the agree. sheer amount of people that they've been talking about, it's impossible for one movie. It, 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 it's, and to have any other story except for those villains, you know? I mean, Steve, what do you... Did you... You enjoyed Amazing Spider-Man, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I thought it was... Um, I thought it was really good. Yeah. I... I, I was weird. I the second and third time I watched it, it was a little um, stranger for me than the first. The first time I saw it, I really loved it, mm. and the other times I was kind of like, eh. mm. but as far as this plan, as far as these castings and everything, I agree with you that I think what they're doing is they're seeding villains for other uh, films, other sequels, yeah. and I think they're they're building their Sinister Six mm-hmm. to have like a, a big payoff yeah. uh, towards like like a finale or something. If they can keep everyone on board and they can keep the momentum going and the writing is good and people don't walk off the set and people don't get bored of being tied to the project because mm. it's taking years to make it. Uh, it could be awesome. I mean, it could be, it could be an Avengers like mm-hmm. pattern trapped within its own Spider-Man universe. Yeah. You know, Spider-Man doesn't have to be an Avengers. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, you know, he can have his own thing. I mean, how awesome would it be to actually have like an established Sinister Six Spider-Man yeah. film a yeah. couple of years down the road mm-hmm. where you saw villains from two and three yeah. and four. And by the time you got to, let's say, six, mm-hmm. and it's the Sinister Six, mm-hmm. and just 
all the all the major players are back and they've got a huge plot going on and it's just balls to the wall spider-man huge villains big hero it'll be awesome yeah if they do it right yeah absolutely uh what do you think bob yeah i think that's Mm. the perfect way to go you you look at spider-man's rogues gallery it was that Sinister Six moment in that first annual. It's, mm. this is what I want to see. I've been waiting all these years for, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted Raimi to do it. He wanted to go in that direction, yeah. and he got shortchanged. Mm-hmm. You got, you know, Alvi Arad wanted Venom, and yeah. we went Venom, and the right. whole thing went down the drain with yeah. Disco Spidey and the rest of it. <laughs> so if, if Columbia is, is got their act together enough that they've mm-hmm. seen what Marvel did with the Avengers, and they're going in that direction, mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I, and I like that movie quite a bit, the first one. So I have faith. And I like Mark Webb as a director. And I love Andrew Garfield, Emma Stone. Yeah. And I, I think that they're a team that I want to see go down this road. I think they can do it well. And I think the second Amazing Spider-Man movie is going to hit a lot bigger than the first one did. Just because now they've got... The, the story can't be anymore. Oh, it's too soon to do a reboot of the Raimi movies. Now we can move on to stories about how the movie is and, and what's going on with that stuff. Um in other Spider-Man news, we got an announcement uh, a couple months ago. We heard that you know uh, Marvel was starting their, this line of original graphic novels. Uh, Warren Ellis and Mike McCone was were doing one, an Avengers one, and now we got an announcement that Marvel is doing a Spider-Man one written by Mark Wade and James Robinson called Spider-Man Family Business. Um, it's coming in 2014, and it's going to deal with a sister uh, of Peter Parker. Wow. Uh, so, Bob, what do you think of Mark in, Wade? In, con- in continuity or they're, out of? Or they're, they're not. I don't know if they're really in continuity. Um, uh, Peter Parker learns that he apparently has a sister in Spider-Man Family Business, one of Marvel Comics' new line original graphic novels, debuting April 2nd, 2014. Uh, this revelation sends the superhero on a tale of international intrigue from New York City to Monte Carlo to Cairo to host of European destinations. Wow. Yeah. Um, Mark Wade writing Spider-Man? Yeah. Oh, I'm there. Yeah. What do you think about this, Stephanie? I mean, I'm not a huge Spider-Man fan to begin with, but that does sound kind of cool. Mm-hmm. It's nice to take the titles um, in a different direction, which is, I think, my biggest problem with a lot of books right now that have been, you know, long running. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would definitely be up for checking this out. This intrigues me. <laughs> what about you, Steve? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I'm down. I'm totally actually it's funny, uh when you were saying graphic novel for a minute, my uh my brain had a hiccup and I started to think about those other books that Marvel was putting out, the Rogue Touch mm-hmm. and the the She Hulk diaries. Yeah. And they've been released. Oh really? Yeah, they're out. They were due out in May. They were delayed to June twentieth or something, and now they're out now with no fanfare. That's oh. pretty terrible. Yeah. Um I'm actually I mean not right the second because we're podcasting, but I'm gonna <laughs> pick those up and uh maybe read them on my mini vacation but anyway back to spider-man yeah i like i said if mark wade is writing it mm-hmm. then i am definitely on board i've been uh falling in love with that man lately <laughs> and uh i've been reading a lot of his stuff mm-hmm. and uh i just think he's a very well-spoken creator he crafts some really great stories and the idea of spider-man having like a long-lost sister mm-hmm. And throwing that into the mix and kind of throwing uh, Peter into a whirlwind of even more family emotions. Right. And going like, uh, I don't know, a jet setting mm-hmm. to like Europe and stuff. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, and the art is by Gabrielle Delato, who did Secret mm-hmm. War. Uh, so there's a, it's, it's a, and it's paints. He's a painter. So, uh, it, the, the cover image is, is pretty gorgeous. Uh, Spider-Man and it appears to be Kingpin, 
uh, I would say in a Hawaiian shirt on the on the cover. That's awesome. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> it, it, you know that's really cool. A really cool announcement. Uh, I'm excited to see what these original graphic novels are going to be like. You know, because they did they've been doing those season one things. Which I know some of the you read the Doctor Strange one, right, Steve? And it yeah. was good. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Uh, and I've heard good things about a few of them, but the, they pretty much what people said about them is some of them are good, but if you know the characters really well, they're really kind of redundant because they're just supposed to catch you up. So I'm excited to see this stuff that's going to be new, fresh stories yeah. about these characters, one off by these really cool creators. Because um, anytime you get a Warren Ellis book, I mean that's pretty special. So I'm I'm excited to see how that stuff goes. Um, that's it for the news that I have. Um, Let's move on to books of the week. Bob, why don't you start us out? Okay. Well, we're going to start with negative, simply. And it's a book I've been touting for months and months and months. Uh, It's World's Finest. Mm -hmm. And the new one, number 13, it's still Paul Levitz, but Kevin McGuire has obviously left now to do Justice League 3000. Mm -hmm. George Perez left to office politics. Right. And they did some tryouts, and they've come up with someone named Robson Roca. Mm Mm-hmm who unfortunately is drawing Power Girl with her asset hanging out. Her butt is really... Yeah, yeah, the entire book her is... Her butt is so big. Yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah, the entire book is filled with mm. that. Mm-hmm. So what was a wonderful buddy book mm. that was really all about superheroes and all good stuff has now been reduced to more of the same mm-hmm. silliness. I'm just trying to find... That's a, a shame, ads. too, because she was... She was... Yeah. You know what? What I liked about the other art, though, was uh, she was she was still depicted as, you know, as as sexy and beautiful in those other in the other books. But this is a little gratuitous. I mean, obviously they can't see it because we're doing a podcast. Shots up her behind. Yeah, yeah. Sitting in funny positions, and it's all just right. Broke back Power Girl. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully it'll get canceled, and I, I can buy one or two. And you just, can't quit Power Girl, Bob. Yes, I can. I I. I Quit Captain America after yeah. 50 years. I can quit Power Curl after 35. Trust me. Um, Do I get th- any points for the Brokeback joke? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Doomsday Point 1, number 2. Really mm. quickly, uh, anyone who was reading the first one, I don't want to spoil too much here, but things go from bad to worse for our survivors. What looks like is going to be a rescue from them by some real authorities turns into a prison hostage situation mm. and... Uh, woundings and death and all sorts of explosions and whatever, and a great, great end line as they walk out of all sorts of mess. At least it stopped raining. Mm-hmm. You can't beat that. <laughs> cool cover, and it's John Byrne, Leonard O'Grady again. Uh, so for those of you who probably haven't picked it up singly, wait for the trade, because mm-hmm. there's going to be a heck of a cinematic run. How many parts One? is it? Just four. Just four? Okay. He does, tends to do four. He's right mm. now working on another superhero project that's tied into Trio, mm. where they'll all be in oh, the cool. same universe. Cool. I, re- I really, really yeah. liked Trio right. a lot. You won't see, I don't think you'll see the Trio in it, yeah. necessarily, because there is a Trio 2 coming a year from now, mm-hmm. but it's set in that universe. They're right. all going to be linked, and he'll move somewhere into 2016. And but I liked, that, I liked that tone in Trio, so yep. I'm anxious oh, to see another one. Going right for that. Mm-hmm. Next is something I read electronically, and you people are all like going to roll your eyes. Oh my goodness! <laughs> electronically, I read it electronically. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm sorry. That was a cheap shot. You should always <laughs> no, the easy ones. That's okay. Um, it was Princeless. It's the fourth issue oh, of their right. second volume, the one that finishes up the. Uh, uh, it's called. Uh, oh, now I forget what the name of the actual <laughs> book. Be yourself, or whatever it is. Jeremy <laughs> Whitley and uh, Emily Martin. Mm. 
And now it's Adrienne rescuing her sister Angelica, who is a real princess mm -hmm. and lords it over this whole town she's in. And she is the most beautiful. And all they do basically is paint pictures of her and write songs about her and bake cakes for her and mm -hmm. whatever. And she's actually been cursed by 40,000 witches because she was just <laughs> so beautiful. Everyone kept showing up to rescue her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, that goes wrong. One of the curses is you can't touch her without a terrible, hideous, ghostly guardian showing up. Her sister tries to grab her to get, let's get out of here. A giant goo ghost lion monster shows mm -hmm. up, and you have to find a way around that. Mm -hmm. Art plays a, a nice little <laughs> uh, part here. It is just a whole lot of fun. We're already setting up the next issue where it's a swamp castle and another one of her sisters. Uh, we get some Bedelia, the armor maker from the other issues. Uh, the trade paperback of this comes out June 26th. So All right. the second issue should be on the, the last issue should be on the stands and the trade then. So check that one out and thank you Jeremy for sending <laughs> that out to me and I did read it electronically on a real computer and everything. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy talk. It's wow. crazy. <laughs> of course I was wearing a bathrobe at the time and you know a very old bathrobe and an old socks and you know so I tried <laughs> to make it old school that way <laughs> but I'm reading on a computer. Um Batgirl 21, mm -hmm. uh, Gail Simone and Fernando Passerine. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, behind a great cover that covers Alex Garner. This I chose it last week. This amazing painting of yeah. the ventriloquist and Ferdy. Really creepy cover. And the insides are just as creepy. <laughs> yeah, I got to say, that I read that the other day. That book creeped me out. Uh, genuinely, I was I was a little unnerved by it. I was very I sent Gail a tweet just telling her like you know like you really like I'm gonna have to stay up for another hour. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny the, the book starts with just it's a sort of an at work conversation. Barbara trying to reach out to Dick because she's Dick Grayson, I should say, yeah, Nightwing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, she's really conflicted over what happened with a family member. Yeah. Just in case people haven't read to this point, don't want to spoil <laughs> this either. And she doesn't feel she's worthy of being Batgirl anymore. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to be supportive and so on. And then she, you know, goes to see her father, uh, which is very touching because obviously he doesn't know that he's chasing after his own yeah. daughter in all this. She shows her computer skills are growing. She'll end up being Oracle somewhere down mm -hmm. the road. I think if Gail gets a chance. Goes to the house of the uh, of uh, Shauna Beltzer, her name is, the new ventriloquist. Mm -hmm. And... It is a mess over there. Mm -hmm. uh, Ferdy is a she has powers to manipulate this dummy. He's alive, but isn't, which plays into something else that goes on in the house that is really, really creepy to the point that Batgirl says, I'm going to vomit <laughs> and does. Yep. Ugh. Oh, boy. It's very, yep. It plays out very much like an old uh, horror flick or, or slasher mm -hmm. film. Uh, it's got kind of like a... Like a dead silence meets, mm -hmm. um, I don't, I can't, like a Roger like a Corman maybe? Like yeah, because it's kind of cheap, cheaper 50s kind of version of those kind of horror movies. Little yeah. House of Usher, too, in the sense you're in this weird, yeah, terrible place. Gotcha. Yeah, that's I, I would have liked a little bit more explanation uh, as to how the, the dummy and how the powers work, mm -hmm. but hopefully this won't be the last that we see of the villain and there'll be more. Uh, I was quite surprised that she wrapped it up in only two issues. So, but I guess she has very, plans for other things. I'm yeah. very happy that she did, mm -hmm. rather than have it just go on and on and on. Mm -hmm. yeah, actually, you talk about the old horror movies. Is actually it's it's uh, sort of pre-imagined. There, was, Alyssa and she are, Alyssa's sitting down watching horror movies, 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I probably, you uh, know a lot about that. And she just moves on. You get um, Carrie. That's the other movie that it reminded me of a little bit. Oh. Okay, yeah, because of the stage and the whole... Yeah, just the, the, the whole way that she's treated throughout the story. Her her flashbacks and background and just that... that the taunting ways of, of kids of and others, you know yeah. the way people grew up. I don't know. It just reminded me mm-hmm. a little bit of that. But in the midst of all this horror, you get loads of great character interaction. You know, Alyssa and Barbara, Barbara and her dad, Barbara and Dick. So even in all this other stuff, Gail's regular thing doesn't mm-hmm. get lost. It's all still it. Did you read? I haven't read it yet. No, no, no. Well, I hope I didn't spoil it. No, I didn't spoil okay. it for me. Uh, That's what I assumed was going to happen. In the- <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, finishing off Avengers Assemble 16, which is the second part of The Enemy mm-hmm. Within. Um, this is just, I, I mean, it's a mini event. It's not one of these universe spanning things. It's but, a crossover. Oh, well, it's a crossover. crossover. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, Kelly Sue DeConnick, and in this case, it is Matteo Buffani mm-hmm. uh, and Jordi Belair doing covers. I have, I'm not familiar with his work at all. Yeah, I know me neither. There's some really nice stuff. There's a great two page spread of the Avengers assembled. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that page. Yeah, because, you know, Carol has to get the team together. You know, mm-hmm. Jan Rog, who is really deep into Captain Marvel and Ms. Marvel from the 70s history. Right. They explain it in this a lot more, though, than in that first oh, yeah. issue. Oh, you yeah. get a whole backstory. You get some tremendous, tremendous moments of that. Carol's resolve is how she has to mm. get through this. Her her friend uh, is telling her, well, you just you should save your strength. Yeah. You know, Tracy Burke's back at her house. You know, you should, you've got a brain leash, and why don't you just mm-hmm. sort of knock it off? Um, the Spider-Woman Captain mm. Marvel stuff is just amazing. This one quote is, uh, okay, let me find what I wrote down here. I can't read. Oh, yeah, okay. She, she asks her, Spider-Woman asks her, well, you, you, are you okay for this? Did you have your mojo together? Would I show up if I wasn't together? Yes, yes, you would. Have you even met you? <laughs> Spider-Woman says to her. Uh I mean, that is right up there with, you know, make me a sandwich. <laughs> that is just a great, great moment. I want a book written by Kelly Sue DeConnick that is just Spider-Woman and Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Just like a, a one-off kind of thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Short trade graphic novel right. of just the two of them doing stuff. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. Their chemistry, the way she writes those two characters, they're hilarious together. Yeah. What I like about it, too, is that it's a crossover, yes. Um, but she manages to still make this feel... This doesn't feel like a, an issue of Captain Marvel. It feels like an issue of Avengers Assemble that has a lot of Captain Marvel stuff going on yeah. in it, but there's still a big focus on the Avengers. There's times when you're away from Carol where you're not. the, the scenes aren't from yeah, her point Hulk of view. Hulk stuff, Hulk stuff going exactly. on. So it's interesting in that way, and I think that's cool that she's able to do that and not just Captain... Like She's not just overriding the entire event just with the Captain Marvelness of the entire thing. Yeah. I liked it a lot. I will say about the cover, I like the cover. I, like I like the like objectively the as an art piece of art it's nice it, it's it, the style is for what she's going through is a little bit too it's almost silly looking to me you know because she's so over mm-hmm. uh, and she's going through something really really kind of kind of tough uh, so the cover doesn't doesn't play with the tone of the inside of the book to me but it's still a nice cover anyway cool but that's it for me that's it for you that's it for me all right Stephanie what do you got for us. Um, well, let's see. I got, I didn't read like a ton of stuff this You woke her up again. from her nap. Yeah, I woke her up. <laughs> Sorry I put you to sleep. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. I almost chimed in on the Batgirl stuff. But well, what'd you think of Batgirl? It was pretty good. I mean, I don't really like, it was kind of a short arc and I didn't feel there was really a lot going on, but I mean, I still really enjoy the series. So, mm-hmm. and the character is freaking creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, ventriloquists. <laughs> It'll ruin you. 
<laughs> that Jeff Dunham, he's terrifying. <laughs> I know. Actually, I find Jeff Dunham kind of funny, but like that was like a long time ago. When I can't first... stand ventriloquists. <laughs> Just like Came out. Um. Anyways, so some things that I read this week. Hmm. So, um, obviously, again, Batgirl number 21. Mm-hmm. Um, I read, I got through all of um, Womanthology, the space. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Womanthology space. Um, and for anyone who hasn't read these before, um, I mean, I have the big coffee table book before. What's it? Heroic? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I've only read like little bits and pieces of it. But this is, you know, my like full on sitting down and reading a whole thing of them. And it's all themed stories that are set in space or about space. And they're all written and drawn and edited by women. And, you know, it doesn't have to be big artists or big writers. You can be, like, not a no one, but, you know, you don't have a name for yourself necessarily in writing. And you can still get one of your stories in these books. And, um, you know, some of them are a bit, you know, hit and miss because they're people who don't necessarily have a lot of experience. And the short stories are only, like, two to five pages long Mm -hmm. and some of them I guess don't really necessarily grasp you know how to do an effective short story um, in that time and space but a lot of them are really great and delightful and have these like awesome premises for stories that I'd like to see in longer form and um, I mean like Ming Doyle has a story in there that she writes and draws along with um, Colors by Jordi Belair and there's just really cool things in there. So I just wanted to mention that and say, I don't think um, the collection is out yet, but keep an eye out for it. Cause if that's something that you might be interested in, I highly recommend that you check it out. Yeah. It's coming out soon. It was in uh, previews, I think last month mm-hmm. that they're mm-hmm. doing pre-orders for it now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I think it's great. And again, hit and miss on some of the stories, but the stories that are great are really great. So look for it. Um, and then the next thing I wanted to talk about is Joe Hill's thumbprint. Oh, I didn't uh, read that. I cool. Forgot. Awesome. Yeah. Damn it. Um, you know, I've gotten kind of accustomed to Joe Hill's writing in lock and key and then stuff like the cape. So, you know, it's kind of going to be dark right off the bat. Um, this is actually based on his novella. Yeah. Of the same title. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't read that. So this is like my first introduction to thumbprint as a whole, but um, the art's really cool. I can't remember who the artist is off the top of my head. Uh, the last name is Malhotra. Malhotra. Let me. Let me oh, Vic. Vic Malhotra. Uh, let me. I'm going inside the book to yeah. check it out. Yes, Vic Malhotra. Okay. I don't know why I asked that when you said Malhotra. I knew whatever. Anyways, <laughs> um, and I'm not typically drawn to sort of army. Uh, military kind of stories but this has a really interesting kind of twist to it and this girl who's gotten back from i believe it's iraq right yeah, it's iraq um she's getting these weird letters in the mail and you know they're not actual like mailed letters there's somebody like leaving them for her and clearly watching her mm-hmm. and there's a lot of hints of stuff that she's done yeah when she was overseas and you don't really know the full extent of it but you get to see some bad shit that did go down and um, you could possibly probably understand why somebody might be upset with her. Yeah. She was a guard at Abu Ghraib. So there's, there's, there's very hints of stuff, you know, those she, about the pictures that were released Mm -hmm. and it it plays on all of that stuff. And, 
there's very much goes into kind of her her role as kind of a torturer and stuff like that in the military uh and kind of you know parallel to what's going on in her life and coming to society and kind of your chickens coming home to roost type of type of story Mm -hmm. and she totally has like i don't want to get into much of the story itself Mm. but she's this character that has a lot of depth to her because you know she's still really badass on the outside but you can see at the same time that she's kind of fighting with trying not to let it consume her yeah she's done and um it's it's interesting because joe hill is so great at making these like i think it's not a different world but he's he builds these worlds around these characters and he makes so many layers for them and even in just a single issue it's a pretty spectacular read and you get to learn a lot about this character in like you know 20-ish pages yeah totally um so that's another thing that I think people should be checking out. Mm-hmm. I think it's a mini series. I assume it would be. Yeah, a I think it's only three issues. I think. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. check that out. It's from IDW. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to talk about, and I think Bobby, you brought this up um, a couple weeks ago, or maybe a month ago, considering you know monthly things. But <laughs> uh, ten grand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I started reading that. I read both issues yesterday, mm-hmm. um, and it's written by May. <sighs> J. Michael Straczynski, mm-hmm. and then with art by ten- Ben Templesmith. She's mm-hmm. priced to can't Ten Bentlesmith. Yes, Ten <laughs> Bentlesmith. How's it M. going? M. Straczynski. Yeah. Pip, pip. <laughs> Anyways, and this is a really cool series. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Constantine yes. meets uh, Green Wake. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good analogy. I think it's a lot of a lot of the aspects of Constantine uh, exist in Ten Grand. Yeah, it's. It's like the story of Constantine mixed with like Green Wake and with kind of Riley Rosmo art from Green Wake too, mm-hmm. with the same sort of palettes and stuff, but with Ben Templesmith's uh, pencil styles and such. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't really want to go into too much of the detail of the story itself because I think it's something that you guys should just check out. Um, but it's a really neat read. Uh, it's not necessarily original because again, it has hints of other things, but it's a cool take on that world and the art's fantastic. And I feel like they give you so much, you know, again, it's 20 something pages, but I felt like I was reading an entire like collected issue of this after two issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoyed it. So, I mean, you read it. Have you read issue two as well, Bobby? I have not read issue two yet. And what, what, what I will say is, yes, it's not the most original thing in the entire world, but that does not mean it's not a high quality book, you know? Oh, no, no, I don't mean anything. No, like I that. know. But I'm saying is when I talked about it, I, I think that kind of came across when I talked about it. Uh, and the thing about it is that there's been so many great stories out there and movies and TV shows that have been the mode and model of other things that have ended up being great pieces mm-hmm. of entertainment. And this is a very fun piece of entertainment. Uh, good writing. The art kind of blows me away. The art itself, I think, you know, obviously the writing is good, but the art makes it a book that you should definitely be buying, I yeah, think. it tells the story, too, and I, I like the writing, Yeah. but at the same time, it's one of those rare books where, without the words, you would probably be able to know a lot of what's happening. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Can I just chime in a yeah. second? Yeah. Uh, what you're talking about with, you know, sort of the new versus the familiar, mm-hmm. there is something 
very special about doing the familiar well. And yeah. I think in the current marketplace, there's a lot of, let's do something completely new. Mm-hmm. How about just telling a really good story in an accepted form mm-hmm. really well? Yeah. And you create something special of your own just through doing that. Absolutely. So I, I mean, yeah. that's what that's basically what the entire superhero story structure is built mm-hmm. on. And then the however many, 75 years of it is taking something established and making something special out of something that's already established. And I think right now, uh, a lot of people get really deterred by the supernatural stuff because there's just so much of it out there. But there are amazing stories that are doing new things like Mm -hmm. this. And I mean, this is obviously a little bit older, but American Vampire. Yeah. I mean, it's such a, uh, it's completely unoriginal in the sense that vampires, we use vampires in stories all the time. But like, Scott Snyder makes them terrifying again. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's like that, where it, for what this is, it's refreshing for the genre. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So do you have uh, any other books you want to talk about, Steph? No, those are like the main things. Womanthology was pretty hefty and took up a good chunk of yeah, my I bet. reading time. But, I mean, I really wanted to dig into Ten Grand and Thumbprint, so. Cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Steve, what do you got for us? I got a couple of books this week. Uh, I'll talk briefly about a few of them and then go into longer form Mm. for the one that I loved. Uh, I got to check out American Vampire, the special, The Long Road to Mm -hmm. Hell from Scott Snyder. Uh, Awesome. Yeah. Like a great one and done. Uh, If you're familiar Mm. with the American Vampire universe, you'll really enjoy it. But even if you're not, it's a complete standalone thing. Creepy as hell. The... Uh, Raphael Albuquerque, Albuquerque's art is phenomenal as always, mm-hmm. and it's a quick one and done. Um, Six ninety nine. It's a hefty book though, and uh, lots of substance to it. Lots of character, and like I said earlier, it's creepy as hell. Right. Apparently, and uh, uh, Snyder only pl- helped plot it. Albuquerque wrote all oh, the dialogue oh. and everything in the issue. So it's the first time he's ever done that. So that's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, great. That I'd yeah. love to see more stuff from him. Cause yeah. that was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've only read the first trade of American vampire, have the second and have not gotten my hands on the third, but I have the single issues of all of four. Oh, wow. Okay. So it I'm in like this, better. I know I'm in this like weird in between. I wanted to jump on when he kind of started the new vampire, the new arc yeah. and I collected it. And I just, I just never got the engine mm-hmm. going, and then I said, I'll just. But now's the perfect time to yeah, catch up because they're on hiatus, so you have per- perfect time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I haven't read the Lord of Nightmares one yet, but I mean, up until they've gone on hiatus, it's been stupendous. Right. Yeah, that's the one that I don't have. I don't mm-hmm. have Lord of Nightmares. That was one of the side. Yeah. I don't think uh, it's collected yet, unless it's in uh, volume four. I've seen it like a hundred times. Five. I actually had all of the issues in my hands, and then I saw something else, and I grabbed it. <laughs> but I mean. Again, speaking about like Raphael Albuquerque, compared with Scott Snyder, they are just vampires are terrifying. (laughs) Raphael Albuquerque draws vampires Mm -hmm. like I've never seen them drawn before. Right, and like they're literally the stuff of nightmares. Well, I love the the in this story in particular, the one that that just came out, the Road to Hell. There's the he explores the idea of restraint uh, in the vampires and how when you first begin to change that kind of bloodlust that they develop, that it is something that is developed and it comes on slowly, but it's, it's a really, really strong force that eventually you're just, 
you have no choice but to give in, A, if you want to survive, and B, it's just part of being the types of vampires that are written about in these stories. But when you have somebody with you that you care about and you're kind of holding on to your humanity, you know, how long can you hold on to that humanity regardless Mm -hmm. of who you have with you, whether you love them or not? eventually you're going to turn. Right. Kind of like in zombie stories when the zombie, they find, are you okay? Yeah. And then you go, oh, <laughs> fuck me! And all this stuff. Yeah. Oh, so. my God. And speaking of zombie stories, really quickly, just The Last of Us. Yeah! Okay. Come Sorry. On. I know, Bobby, you haven't played it yet. I haven't I played Bob it yet. So don't, video don't, games. So good. I don't want to hear about it yet. It's so good. I won't right. say anything other than, like, so far the graphics are, like, amazing and, like, that story has some serious feels. Yeah. yeah, it really does. That's what I hear. It's uh, it's so, excellent. I meant to bring it up like at the beginning, so we didn't mm, do yeah. this. Uh, <laughs> but like w- you know, what I would that. say about it, they um, this is not a spoiler at all. They made a very wise choice at the very very beginning of the game to allow you a certain perspective that really really makes you connect with the story. Cool. That was very unique. So that's it. Done. Awesome. Okay. okay. Um, real quick. Suicide Squad number 21 from Alesh Kott and um, Patrick Zercher. Really, really cool. It was a little bit more hefty than the uh, his de- uh, Alesh's debut issue with number 20. This is the second part of this quick little uh, two-parter that he's doing. The one thing that I took away from this, he's, he's building a lot in this issue. They kind of dumped a lot of information on you that if you haven't been... You don't if you're not familiar with Suicide Squad, it might be a little bit hard to grasp. But I think if you give it a second read, you'll be you'll be fine. Uh, one of the things that he's doing is he's trying to I don't want to say fix Harley Quinn, but he's kind of focusing on her a lot. And I think that's one of his personal missions is to kind of get people back into her a little bit. And he's not doing it by creating a character that she used to be he's kind of taking elements of her old type like her the way she gives everybody nicknames and her playfulness and her her childlike uhness that she has and he's kind of mixing it with almost like internet speak mm-hmm. of today like he's using word like feels is in there somewhere <laughs> omg is in there somewhere um but it's not done to a to a ridiculous note. Like it's actually it fits, mm-hmm. and it surprises surprises me a great deal how well it fits. And uh, it's just a credit to the writer mm-hmm. and and how if you get the right person with the right character on the right book, that they can you know I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that he's doing wonders for the character just yet, but it's definitely he's definitely laying the groundwork to turn her into somebody that you could be proud to say that you're really into her again. Right. Um, she's one of my favorite characters of all time, especially in the Bat universe. And it just, it, I'm very, very happy with the way it's shaping up. Like I said, different, mm-hmm. but good. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm curious to see where, where he takes it, where it goes. Uh, really quick, don't have too much to say about it, but if you're not reading Half Past Danger from Stephen Mooney, it's awesome. It's awesome. That's all I'm going to say. Dinosaurs, dames, and danger. That's all you need. Uh, my last but not least book. Oh, wait. I read Superman Birthright. Oh, and Mark Waid. Yeah, yes. but maybe maybe I'll talk about that during the movie okay. uh, review. Real quick, uh, Simon Spurrier and Jeff Stokely on art. Simon Spurrier is the writer of X-Men Legacy with uh, Legion that's going on right now from Marvel Now. He has a new six-parter book. Uh, the first issue came out called Six-Gun Gorilla. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. <laughs> 
this I, I can't wait until this is all collected into one thing. If you guys want to wait for the trade, so be it. But if not, the first issue should probably uh, still be on shelves. I wouldn't imagine that this flew off the mm-hmm. shelves. This is one of those like sleeper hit books, I think, that if you pick it up, you'll be really, really surprised by how much you'll enjoy it. Uh, it's got a lot of character, a lot of character. The art is very, very cool. And it's really kind of a, a bizarre premise that I'm not entirely sure that I understand the circumstances mm-hmm. of what's happening just yet. But you get this really unique perspective of this this guy that when you're you're reading his dialogue and you're seeing uh, the way he's basically he's on a transport vessel with a series of of condemned individuals that are either there uh, by incarceration or by choice. In his case, he's there by choice. Uh, and they're basically off into this like destitute desert land where you do battle against the elements and the unknown um, species and whatnot that are within this area, and you try to survive for the sake of entertainment. And I think if you survive long enough, family gets money, something mm-hmm. like that. Anyway, um, but you get you get the story from this this unique perspective of a person who is rather introverted when speaking with people. And then once he's out there in the field, he completely transforms and becomes a guy that can get it done Mm -hmm. and becomes a survivor. And he ends up running into, uh, you know, the main character of the book, I guess, would be the six-gun gorilla. And it just, it sounds so ridiculous. It is so good. It's so good. It's, It's different. And I, I really cannot wait to see what else they did with it. I want to give Bob and Bobby a chance mm-hmm. to talk about it too. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely not what you expect. Like you see the cover, um, and it seems like a, like a funny, quirky premise. What is it going to be like the old West? But it's going to be gorillas or or whatever. You know, a gorilla they train to shoot. Whatever it's going to be. Uh, it's this like sprawling science fiction dystopian future. Mm-hmm epic story about this ongoing war where these people go either they're condemned or at least by choice mm-hmm. basically and if they die their family gets insurance money they get paid out oh it is uh, that is this yeah case. Nice. and right. it's it's all being filmed you know so people can see what's going on and there's obviously some sort of machinations going on behind the scenes we get stuff on earth we get stuff on this planet and just every every step it takes it defies kind of what you expect it to be I'll be interested to see when we get to the other issues now that we've passed kind of like this surprise about what the story is about Mm -hmm. to see how it acquits itself when you're not just constantly surprised by what's happening, which I think is a lot of, I mean, issues, beautiful to look at, great writing, but the surprise is what made me go, oh my God, I love this thing. Right. So I'm interested to see how how he takes it from here. Uh, But yeah, it was great. I did not expect, I expected to be like, oh, this is funny and and cute is what I really expected to get out of it. And what I got was something really crazy and interesting. Bob, what do you... Yeah, you get a vibe, to me, as you're reading these guys on the transport, it's the sort of crew from Aliens. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It is like the crew from Aliens. They're playing the running man. Game over, man. You know, there's bits and pieces of things like Ghosts of Mars, the whole war on some other planet. And it still takes another turn because beyond that it's a surprise as a gorilla with a six-gun... There are, there are things that may be told later on, parts of this, layers that we're not even seeing yet that we're getting a foreshadowing of. Yeah. This is a lot of fun. I can't wait to read six of these in one good lump. Yeah, yeah. 
I, st- um, I love that moment when they first get off the transport. Yeah. I was cracking up. And what the transport is is a complete shock, too. You know, it, to me, it's funny because it's a very different book than Saga is, but it has like that mm. same sort of world building, uh, you know, cr- like normal things made to look crazy in a, in a lot of ways. And uh, it's obviously, it's nowhere near uh, the same kind of tone right. as that book. But in this, it's that same sort of kind of crazy, big, big idea sci-fi. I love uh, also with uh, books. One of the books that I read last year was uh, Space Man mm-hmm. by Brian Azzarello. Yeah. And one of the, you know, one of the things for that with me was uh, that it had its own language. Mm-hmm. And that shows up a lot in this. There's a lot of well, nicknames. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, different terminology that you got to maybe kind of sit there and think about it for a second. And then once it clicks, you fall into this you know, uh, strange sci-fi dialect mm-hmm. that they have going on. It's very enjoyable. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you get if you get a couple extra dollars in your pocket, uh, <laughs> it's called Six Gun Gorilla by Simon Spurrier uh, with art by Jeff Stokely. Mm-hmm. It's one of six from Boom Studios. Uh, either pick up number one and see if it's your thing. If not, uh, wait for the trade. It mm-hmm. should be out um, either probably sometime early next year. Probably, yeah. Uh, cool. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. All right, awesome. Uh, so for me, first we'll talk about the true lies of the fabulous killjoys. I mean, we talked about Stephanie. You talked about this a little bit last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I just sort of told everyone to pick it up. Yeah. Uh, so again, with Gerard Way, a writer of the Umbrella, uh, Umbrella Academy, and Becky Cloonan uh, on art. Uh, so I have not read Umbrella Academy yet. Neither have I. Um, but from everything I've heard from Stephanie to everyone else, I hear it, it's fantastic. So I definitely want. I definitely want to read it. Uh, so this is my first experience with Drawway as a writer uh, of comic books, um, being a casual fan of the music that he writes and, and stuff. So uh, going into this, first of all, it's crazy. It's absolutely balls out crazy book. Uh, this is one of those things, and it's another world-building situation where he plops you into this world, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like, you're going to get popped in, and then we'll figure it out as you go along, is basically what it is. you know. And it yeah. has this you know, kind of a, a, a pe- this history to it and these situations and these factions and these gangs, you know, it's got kind of this, you know, it's got a little bit of like that road warrior vibe too because there's there, there are like mm. these people fighting each other at random stops. There's, you know, there's almost a sort of, there's just a, a surreal nature to oh, every, everything that's going on. Um, uh, the art is absolutely gorgeous. The Becky Clinton art is gorgeous, and the colors by like, Dan Jackson are amazing. Like it just pops, you know. There, there, there's so much uh, uh, life in, in all the images, and a lot of that is because of the color. Uh, you know, basically the story is there are these this hero team called the Killjoys, uh, and they're dead. They, 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 they went on a mission and they died, protecting this girl, and you're following this girl as she's grown up. And mm-hmm. now there are all these kind of pretender heroes that have come around, all these other factions that have kind of, that claim to be these heroes, and really they're nothing like what these true, really great superheroes mm. were in the past. Um, the whole thing is, is stitched together with a framing device of this radio DJ, uh, which is something that's also in the on the out al- in the album that this the kind of is not based off of, but they share the same name, uh, and I think that stuff. That's something that is very easily could have been something horrible. It could have been cheesy and bad 
and I think that it it comes off really really cool. Well, uh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Say. But it's just it's it's interesting. One of the things that I, I noted about it when I was reading it was there are a lot of lyrics, or there like, yeah. the the dialogue is often very poetic. Yeah, and it's I I was almost questioning as to whether or not these were little snippets or things taken from the album that because I haven't heard it mm-hmm. that I might be unaware of it. They're not. Okay. They're not. But it it's it you can tell I like the idea that Gerard's uh pedigree for having a band and making music mm-hmm. and writing his own music that it really feels like a musician's comic. Mm-hmm. Um I I I think I mean that aspect of, I I enjoyed the book uh, overall very much mm-hmm. but that aspect of it I mean I I used to have you know a couple of bands and stuff like that and if I were to ever get my ass in gear and write something I'm sure that that would end up leaking into some of the dialogue it was really right. really cool to see that and to see how well it gelled and integrated with the whole comic book writing uh medium yeah the cool thing about the DJ is he's one of those like I'm going to speak in rhymes. It's time to go. You know, that, that's what it is. And the whole thing is like that. And so there's a, like you see that very lyrical nature to it. It, you know, it felt to me a lot, even though it's not, there's, I don't think, and I, I mean, I don't know. I don't have that whole album memorized, but uh, it feels sort of like a, like Tommy, you know, like a rock opera sort of situation to it, even though there's no music in it, obviously it has that sense of that surreal sense that all of those things have, uh, I didn't finish reading and go, oh my God, I can't wait for issue two or this is fucking awesome. But I finished and I was like, wow, that was really, really interesting. I'm very curious to see what comes next because I have no idea Mm -hmm. what I'm going to see. So yeah, I mean, Stephanie, I don't know if you have anything else to add than what you said last week, but... I don't think so. I think to your kind of last comment there, I think it's another one of those books that gives you a lot of information right off the bat and will probably ultimately read better collected mm-hmm. yeah. but um i still think it's worth checking out it is absolutely no it, that that is it is absolutely worth checking out it's a very very cool book um next up is the first well steve already talked about one of the uh the installments of snyder week that we had last week yeah, so with, with american vampire he was on fire this week. yeah so he had three mm-hmm. books uh, we talked about american vampire next up uh batman number 21 uh the beginning of zero year you know, we got announced, and everyone's like, oh, we've already seen Batman's origin so much. Snyder kept saying, this is not year one. This is not year one. The moment you open page one, you're going to know this is something totally different. Uh, he definitely delivered on that on that statement, because the moment you open this book, this is nothing, for me at least, I did not expect to see what I saw in the least. Uh, I, I, I'm hesitant to even really talk about what's in there, if you haven't read it yet, but I'm going to at least mention the situation here so it starts off six years ago uh which is you know right before the new 52 technically starts and the the gotham city is basically almost in a post-apocalyptic state the city has been taken down uh by a character uh who we assume is the head of the red hood gang because that's kind of what they intonate but i'm not sure if that's what's going to end up happening as we go through this story uh uh, and this is basically, but then again, it's the early days of Batman. This is Batman kind of figuring out, and we we go, we flash back from that moment back a little farther back when he's still kind of not in the suit, figuring out how to fight crime. He's wearing he's wearing masks that look like people's masks, you know, mm-hmm. his kind of patches, you know, whatever matches Malone yeah. kind of look to him or whatever, uh, and having run run-ins like that, and still trying to disguise his identity. We still have Alfred being like, you know, you shouldn't be doing this, and 
no one knows that Bruce is alive yet is basically what it is. Everyone thinks Bruce is still dead um, from the time he disappeared. The thing that struck me most is that there's not one scene of this book that's at night. Every single scene is during the day. And I can't, I can't even name a Batman book that, that I've ever seen that, that really does that point. before. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, 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 that fascinated me. Uh, there's something strikingly unique about it, but also something that feels very, I don't know, uh, Chuck Dixon or maybe even like Denny O'Neill. Like it, it has a, a, I don't know, some sort of like an old school vibe to me, even though what it's doing is very, very fresh and new with the story it's telling. Steve, uh, I was discussing this book with Rob yesterday, mm. and he actually brought something up. I don't know if I could elaborate on it, but I definitely agreed with him that, I mean, I'm sure we'll get to it right after mm. this. Superman Unchained and Batman uh, Zero Year, they don't feel like DC New 52. This feels like mm. uh, like the fresh start that we were promised, that the, the Zero Year, it feels different than mm. what we've gotten so far even from scott snyder's stuff obviously oh, yeah. same writer mm. same artist uh you know capullo and snyder are at, are at it again but it's got it's it's got like a, a like a real the promise of it being fresh yeah is legit yeah and what the thing the thing about this too and i wrote this in my review is that this seems like uh you know scott we talked to, we talked to scott a few times and he's always said is like like it happened really quick we, did, we aren't sure what was in, what was out. And so I just basically wanted the, the assumption that Batman's history existed. It was just compressed. This feels like him taking advantage of the fact that, look, I have this opportunity to put, again, like he did with Court of Owls, put my flag in the ground and stamp my, my, my stamp on the history of this character. I get to define at least a certain origin of this character. Maybe it gets changed again, maybe not. But for at least a certain amount of time, this is going to be that the first Batman story or, or what have you. Uh, and it feels like I'm taking advantage of that and also, but not resting on the laurels. And also Greg Capullo's art is fucking fantastic. It's like, it, it's right. unbelievable. I, I, like he gets, I feel like he gets better every time I, I see an issue of him doing it. Steve yeah. and then we'll get Bob. Um, yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, this is, this is going, I mean, this is about 11 issues long. It's 12, 12. Okay. It's a year. So this is, this is a, a long ways off, but I'm just going to make a prediction that, this already feels that when it's done, this is going to be one of those things that when new people are getting into Batman, or let's say we're doing this a year from now, mm. two years from now, people are, oh, what are some good Batman stories? That when this is collected in a trade and it's sitting in the hardcover or, mm-hmm. or you know trade paperback on the shelves, this will be one of those stories like, oh, have you read Zero Year? Mm-hmm. No, I haven't. You should read Zero Year. Right, right. And there's also a fun backup story. Backup speaking story of, was great. Speaking of Raphael Albuquerque, he, he draws it of Bruce, uh, you know, it's like learning to drive, but it has a cool twist at the yep. end of it. Bob, what did you think of it? I actually really, see a Batman book in front of you, which yes, really surprised I, me. I really enjoyed it. Mm. It's going to be interesting to see a year from now how he links yeah. this origin to mm-hmm. the rest. Where's yeah. that yeah. jumping off point yeah. to that? But seeing a Batman book, as you say, with no shots at night and mm. basically no shots of Batman, yeah, and have it be as involving as mm. it was, seeing Bruce, seeing the family flashing backwards mm. and forwards, yeah, really, really well done. You're seeing the growth of him as a detective, as mm. a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alfred's Alfred. Yeah. You know, you do see some of the family, mm. but it's just a very, very special little book. I'm, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah. I hope it, I'm sure it's being received well. Yes. By uh, readers, so. And here's the thing. And the Alfred thing was cool, too, because all this stuff was different. But Alfred is still Alfred, Alfred. And I love that. You know, Bruce is a little more hot-headed. He's still he's not as safe as he should be. But Alfred is still steadfast Alfred. Uh, Stephanie, did you read this? 
I didn't. Okay. I thought I had it mm-hmm. on my iPad like last week, and I went to go read it. You know, when I was going through my comics, and I was like, "Shit!" Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I I'm gonna have to check it out this week, but yeah. I failed on that front. That's totally okay. Uh, um, but again, this is one of the things where the idea of a Batman origin story didn't excite me. But this reading this first issue, I'm now excited about seeing what comes. Yeah, after. I remember. I remember my attitude when this was yeah. announced. Yeah, and now I'm. I, I said I did say I'll probably be you know eating my my own <laughs> words, and here I am. Yeah. Nom nom nom. <laughs> uh, but finally, uh, Superman Unchained number one, Scott Snyder, Jim Lee, uh, kicking off a new Superman series inside continuity. Uh, we get Snyder taking on the character. We've been talking about this for months and months since New York Comic Con when they when they announced it, uh, and it's here. And you know, I I loved it. Um, I, I, when I first read it, I had hangups about it mainly because I have not been reading the Superman books in continuity, and there seemed to be a lot of efforts in the book to place it in that continuity and to kind of be like, mm-hmm. and this is what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. And some of those things felt a little bit it weighed down laying pipe, like it was laying down the story a little bit. But now. You know, looking back on it, my, my my perspective has kind of changed in the fact that I think it's cool that they're placing continuity and they're saying, look, this isn't some other story we're not creating. You're going to think, oh, this Superman graphic novel and the, or this miniseries was really great. We're going to come in and we're going to put in continuity and we're going to make the Superman that's existing right now be a Superman that you want to read. Uh, and I really like that now thinking back on it. Uh, w- what I'm left with is, you know, it's completely different from his Batman work. This is not him taking all his Batman stuff and, and laying it on his Superman. Clark is, you know, much more earnest, much, uh, m- much happier. Uh, you know, he's got that spirit to himself that you don't see in Bruce because he's much more open to people. He wants people to trust him and he loves people. And, you know, we get him being really smart. It's really cool to see him, you know, he really is a thinking a thinking character in this. He's not just going fists first into everything. He's thinking out everything he does. He's using his skills as a reporter to find out stuff and, and to solve mysteries. Uh, we get great stuff with Lois. Uh, there's a great, and with Jimmy as well. Very little with Lex, but the mo- the little moments we get with Lex are great. Perfect, yeah. There's this great moment where Lex has like the newspaper above his head, eyes, uh, and he's the, the his helicopter is crashing. It's spinning out of control. It's crashing, and he's just reading his newspaper. And they hear Superman ripping open the, the or catching the helicopter, and it's just his eyes like going to the side because he knows exactly what's happening. There's not a bit of panic or anything like that. Love that stuff. Um, and again, I love that he's sticking something new. He's going okay. All this stuff is established. We're gonna we're gonna do all the Superman stuff. But let's give it a little wrinkle here. Let's bring in this kind of new threat. Uh, at least that's what we're going to perceive it as. And let's kind of reshape what's going on in this new 52 continuity. Um, Bob, what would you think of it? I really loved it. I do have one caveat, which I'll mm-hmm. get to as we okay. move on. But what we really have is a heroic Superman. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the Superman that people have read before there was the new 52. Yeah. Um, He's heroic. He cares for people. He cares for his adopted home. He Mm. is grounded in Earth's culture and all Mm. the rest of it. He isn't the complete outsider. Mm. Um, What is going to be interesting to me is with so much bad having been said about Superman in action by Mm. readers and obviously editorial having changed creative teams back Mm. and forth, does this become Superman the book? Right. That people flock to. I'm sure that the Mm. first issue sales numbers are going to be off the charts. Yeah. It, by default, will Scott Snyder Superman be Superman? Will the other ones then have to tie back into his? Right. 
You would think so. I mean, you're, you're taking basically, if not your top writer, the number two in your company, maybe behind John's, the only person that, that, that's higher on the, the totem pole than him, and giving him your 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 most famous or your second most famous character. So I would say that, yeah, I would assume that's what was, what would happen. Um, and this, there's an opening scene, right? This, we get right into the action. The satellite is crashing down. The space station is crashing down to the earth and Superman is trying to save them. And he, he's whipping it open. He's trying to stop him crashing. And in this moment where he's trying to stop the satellite crashing in the ground, he's thinking to himself, okay, the people in this space station are scared out of their minds right now. Let them see your face. Let them see that, that they're okay. Calm them down. And like those moments are just, they're beautiful moments because it's this character who can do anything coming down to the human level and, you know, empathizing and being a part of a a society and, and just that love for the people really shines through, I think, in in the writing. Steve, what did you think of it? I loved it. Yeah? I loved it. Um, You and Bob basically said everything that Mm. needed to be said. I'll just say, uh, I don't have any Superman books on my pull list. Mm. Superman Family Adventures is gone. And uh, I will be picking up Batman Superman, mm-hmm. uh, I believe, next week it is released. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's nice to have an official Superman book on my pull list. Mm. And it was, I mean, we're going to get into it with the movie, but for me, this was, when I think of Superman, whatever I've known of him as a child, what I've learned from him over the past two years, this is the Superman that if I was to bother to read his stories, is the one that I want to read. Cool. Awesome. Um, just all the all the character traits like you said mm. you know i wanted people to see my face i want to yeah. that's more of that yeah yeah i mean they talk about like bagels for for yeah. a page basically yeah. I and mean, then that's great stuff it's great fun stuff uh and the, i think the art's gorgeous i i think that this i had I, the jim lee justice league stuff i always said looked gorgeous but was too much for me it was just it was a poster on every page and i feel like here he does the action stuff great he always does the action stuff awesome but I feel like the dialogue scenes worked really well. The storytelling came off really, really well. Um, and I was very, very impressed by what I was looking at. More than just, oh, this is pretty. I was like, because I, 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 at a certain point, I forgot that I was looking at Jim Lee art. I was just looking at the art of the Superman book. And, and that's what I like to get into when I'm looking at stuff. The, uh, the fold-out pages yeah. were pretty impressive as yeah. well. That was <laughs> a, hell, a hell of a thing to throw in your, in your first issue within the first few pages that yeah. you open it up. Yeah. And there's literally a fold-out yeah. that equates to you know four pages yeah. uh, front and back yeah. of just this tremendous, tremendous <laughs> scene. And it's, it's beautiful. It's yeah. gorgeous. And I, just, I thought that was a really nice touch. I remember opening it up inside mm-hmm. the shop and being like, what the hell is this? And then reading it in, in context was just wonderful. I had a question for you about the art. because you're, the, the art's my one caveat. Okay. I am not thrilled. Okay. Um, it's still a little too posy, mm-hmm. postery for me, a little cluttered, a little dark. I, mean, I understand it's space and all, mm-hmm. but it's just the, the, that's the colorist too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like an airier, lighter approach to this, okay. but still with some muscle to it. He's mm-hmm. got that right, but it's just a bit muscle-bound for mm-hmm. me. Gotcha. Okay. Stephanie, did you read this? No. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. I wanted to ask. I didn't want to leave you out if you had read it. Ro. I meant to. I well, you meant didn't. to. The you dog didn't. ate my comics. <laughs> I know. Or in this case, a cat. <laughs> Maybe the spiders. Oh, don't even talk to me about them. They're everywhere. <laughs> All right, awesome. So that is it uh, for our book of the week segment. Uh, we're going to take a little break, and we're going to come right back with our review of Man of Steel.
right, we are back and we are reviewing Man of Steel. Now, the same rules go for this review as all of our movie reviews. We're going to do a portion at the beginning where we're not going to talk spoilers. We're going to talk generalities about the movie. Uh, and then at a certain point, we'll say spoilers and we'll talk about uh, those things. Uh, again, once we say spoilers, we're going to talk very openly about certain events, especially there's an ending to the movie that we're going to talk about. So if you don't know the end of Man of Steel, you don't want to listen past time when we say spoilers. Uh, I do want to start right at the bat, too, before we even get into this. Uh, you know, obviously, we're recording this and it's been four or five days since the movie came out and uh the reactions to the movie started immediately uh and on both sides of the aisle positive and negative there's been a very uh uncultured conversation you know there's vitriolic yeah, vitriolic be, yeah. people who like it say that people who don't like it are stupid people who don't like it say that people who like it are stupid uh that's not what we're gonna be doing here so i want everyone there listening just to know that when we talk about things we don't like, we're not saying you shouldn't like the movie or give or go see the movie yourself. But you tune in here to hear our opinions about things, and we want to give you those opinions. Um, we're going to try our best, though, to keep it uh, with some manner of decorum classy. as we go along. Yeah, classy, exactly. I will say this before we even start. Um, if you guys haven't yet, go check out the Mark Wade piece, the review he wrote on his website about the movie. This is someone who loves the character, who has written the character. Uh, whether you agree with him or not, it's a really passionate, really well-written review, and I think everybody uh, should check that out. Um, so here we go. Man of Steel, uh, directed by Zack Snyder, starring Henry Cavill. We've been talking about the movie for a long time. Uh, I-, I feel like the excitement of the movie has progressively gotten bigger on our show, as, as in the public, uh, starting from eh, whatever to being very, very excited going into it. Um Stephanie obviously saw it before any of us and posted a review, and she's been dealing with her own stuff with the comments uh, <laughs> on the website. Uh, but since your opinion's been out there the longest, Stephanie, why don't you kind of tell the people maybe who haven't read your review uh, what you think about the movie? Um, sure. So I guess I'm going to first start out with, like, cause I, I was a bit curmudgeonly about Iron Man 3 as well. And I just want to say that, you know, I do this for fun. Um but I also work in the comics industry as well. So when I, a comic book movie is coming out, I, I don't even care if it's a character I love mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. I want that movie to be amazing and I want it to be successful because, you know, that helps the industry that I'm a part of and mm-hmm. that I love. Mm-hmm. You know, so for me, going into something like that, my expectations are always going to be enormous, Um, so I went in, I got a thank, not necessarily thankfully, I guess, but I got a chance to be a part of some of the social media stuff going on beforehand with Man of Steel and I went into it and I went with like a bunch of people that are also big Superman fans and one that owns a comic book store and la 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 la. And I just, I couldn't take the film seriously. You know, every little while along the way there was something that took me out of it um I guess I'll also start by saying that first of all like visually it's beautiful Mm -hmm. it's amazing I've seen it both in 2D and 3D now and there's not really much to the 3D it's just kind of the layered depth 3D as opposed to things coming out at you um but it's beautiful it's well done and it's visually stunning um, Henry Cavill is like perfect as Superman. He is a gr- like a great choice 
Um, he's ripped for the role <laughs> as we see him again. This isn't so much a spoiler as just he's shirtless a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's great. He looks like Superman and given what he's uh, given to work with, mm-hmm. he does an awesome job. Um, that more or less ends the good things <laughs> that I have to say about it though. Um, I mean, it is entertaining to a degree. And if you can kind of set aside what you know about Superman, maybe you can enjoy it. But I think, ugh, I don't want to get too much into it. I don't want everyone to kind of say stuff. But I was really disappointed. So disappointed. And the first quarter, three quarters of the movie are at least sort of a Superman movie. Um, but they're not a superhero movie. It's a sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last quarter just loses me. I'm just like, again, if, you, if you've if you read Mark Wade's review or you haven't, but like in the last quarter, I'm just like, I'm out. They've lost me. Mm-hmm. They've lost me. Right. I am not a part of this anymore. Mm-hmm. I am not on board. Um, right. So that. Yeah, I, I think disappointment is the word that I would use uh, primarily for me as well. I I've, was enjoying the probably the first half of the movie, maybe a little bit less than that. Uh, As far as positive stuff goes for me, I I think the movie has some really nice performances in it. I think there's some really solid work happening with some good actors. I think it gets lost in some very bad plot and character decisions that have nothing to do with the performances, just that's what the the script and the story. direction. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, whatever you think about uh, the things that... uh, We've seen that we talked about the stuff that happens in the trailer with the Costner character, with the Potkin character, and the controversy between those things. But I think Kevin Costner is great. Uh, he makes me care about Pot Kent. He makes me, he, him and Diane Lane kind of create that family unit for me without a lot of a lot of screen time or a lot of backstory. I feel the emotion there, and to be quite honest, those the two big moments with them that we've seen in the trailers, the moment where she's telling Clark to make the world small. And when he's saying that you are my son, I still got a feeling of emotion, a deep emotion from those two moments. I, uh, sorry. I agree. I definitely thought she was better, though, than he was. I thought Diane Lane's moments were genuinely tender, whereas Kevin Costner's character came off as a bully. Okay. Uh, I do not agree, but that... that but, uh, yeah, 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 sorry. Uh, I thought that Russell Crowe did a good job. You know, I think that sometimes he's given some silly stuff to do. Uh, but I think that when he's... There's a scene where he... Just like in the original Superman movie where he's kind of telling Kal-El about what it means to be a Kryptonian or whatever, I thought that scene was really, really good. And I thought that the things he was saying, uh, I was like, those are Superman things. Great. Um, you know, I, I know, Seven, you point out you didn't really enjoy uh, Amy Adams in, in the movie, um, in your review. Yeah. I mean, I love Amy Adams as an actress. I think she is, to use a word that I currently love, delightful. She is delightful. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um but for me, first of all, like she had zero chemistry with Henry Cavill. Like, yeah, I agree with zero that. Zero chemistry, and it just made for like awkward scenes with them together. Like I could, I was cringing as they were like, it's just like, oh, stop it! Just <laughs> please stop talking mm. to each other. <laughs> um, and then you know, as as far as her as Lois Lane, um, I think I've also mentioned that. I would rather, I'm kind of taking up that point where I'd rather have somebody who's a good actress be in the role than someone who looks like the character. Mm-hmm. 
to me. Right. And um, Amy Adams to me doesn't strike me as Lois Lane, but I was willing to look past that. But she just didn't do it for me. Um, and I don't think that's largely her fault. Aside from the chemistry thing, which is just kind of, you know, hit or miss between actors sometimes, um, her biggest flaw wasn't one of her own, but more of Goyer and Nolan, who's wrote her dialogue so poorly that it was just painful to listen to her speak. See, I disagree with you. I, I liked her in the movie, and I found a lot of her moments to be pretty good. Like Because I, I, I was hungering for something that grounded me in the story, and she was a human character that could ground me in the story. But I don't want to speak too specifically until we get around to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I agree with I, you on Cavill. I think he's he's shortchanged as far as some moments that we'll get to later. But I feel like he has the kind of quiet confidence and, and decency, and a decency about him that comes through. Uh, that I think in the right movie, he'd be an excellent, excellent Clark Kent and Superman. I, yeah, exactly. I definitely agree that um, his potential for being Superman was completely squandered. Yeah. Uh, the things I didn't like about it, and these these things are vast, but this is the generality about it. There's a, to me, uh, there is a complete narrative dissonance between when they're talking about being Superman and he's talking with his family and when he's acting as Superman. Because when he's talking, I, I feel like, okay, these are Superman moments. The things they're saying, you know, you can't stop helping people, you know, you, you'll give him an ideal to strive for, you can save all of them, all of these things. I'm like, this is Superman to me. The way he acts in the scenes, he has a seemingly dis- complete disregard for the people who are in the midst of this destruction that's happening. And in a normal action movie, that would be fine because you just accept it. You know, when you're watching a Transformers movie, you don't think about people who are dying because it doesn't matter. It's like these are robot characters, but Superman's supposed to want to save everybody. And th- that really played wrong to me. And that was the main thing that really drove me away from the movie. And it's the movie is joyless to me. It's cynical and joyless. If this is what the writers think is what Superman for my generation or this new generation is supposed to be, that saddens me because I, I want to see something big and and, uh, and it doesn't have to be necessarily funny. I don't need it to be funny, but there's got to be a sense of adventure and a sense of uh, of uh, heroic in nature, nature into in it, and it's just not there for me. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Like, I think we can touch on that maybe like afterwards with like the Christopher Nolan because I have a couple things to say on that too, mm-hmm. but... Oh. All right, so let's yeah. Steve, give me give me your take here. Um in generalities. Yeah, I guess uh I mean it's going to be hard for me not to talk spoilers, but in general, I was uh, the word is disappointment. Mm-hmm. Um vastly vastly disappointed uh on a scale of where I would rank this in the world of comic book movies. I would put it very much near the bottom mm-hmm. for many, many, many reasons that we'll get into uh, a little bit later. I uh, I wanted to love it. I really did. I wanted to love it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to... I really wanted to be that guy that went to go and see it and was like, oh, you guys don't know what you're talking about. This you know, it was mm-hmm. awesome. They did this and they did that. Uh, I tried not to let... you know. I saw it uh, a couple of days into when the film was released. I saw it Sunday. Mm-hmm. So... You know, the movie had been out for about three or four days, and word was already circulating around the internet, whether it was good or bad, and how people were so divided. And I try my best not to let that color my opinion before I see something. So I went in and I said, listen, Superman is not 
one of my go-to characters. He's not somebody that I'm completely invested in. I enjoy him. So if it's good, great. If it's bad, oh well. And what happened was I personally felt the movie was so bad that if anything, that positive that came out of it was that it really, really made me love or discover my like buried love for the character. Um, cause I actually, I, the reason that I thought it was so terrible was because I cared so much because I wanted it so bad to be amazing and to be, to be this incredible thing to go to people and say, well, you know, oh, thinking about going to the movies, we don't know what to see. Like, well, have you seen Man of Steel? Mm-hmm. You should go see that. It was awesome. Like right. I wanted to do that. I was... I was telling people that I'm close with, I was, I wasn't like going around on the internet or anything, but I told people, I said, listen, don't, don't, mm-hmm. don't bother. Don't go and <laughs> see it. Um, it's awful. It's not what it, it's, it's, I said, you know, if you love big sci-fi summer action flicks that are pretty and have um, amazing effects said, you'll love it. If you love Superman, mm-hmm. there's a very large chance that you might end up hating it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 pretty amazing to me how divided I was sitting in my seat because of the fact that I checked out of the movie as far as uh, how I felt about it moments into its into the start mm-hmm. like the first second scene I was already uncomfortable and and dissatisfied but at the same time when I say checked out I I, I the movie had my attention I would say, honestly, more so than many, many movies that I've watched in the past few years. I paid attention to every word, every camera angle, every plot twist, every little thing that was going on on screen. I sat there quietly, hand, you know, fist underneath my chin, knees tucked under the seat, and just watching and soaking it in, but soaking in this overwhelming uh, overwhelming uh desire to just get up in the middle of the theater and be like you have got to be kidding me mm-hmm. um and one of the things that upset me the most and I actually had to sit down I kind of had a, a bit of a Mark Wade <laughs> uh moment was that at the end people have gotten into this thing now where they applaud after films mm-hmm. it was gone for a very long time it seems to have come back in the past couple years I think it started with the Harry Potter movies <laughs> but anyway um, the audience like erupted into applause, and I just I like compelled like I don't know I was just I was like you don't clap for this. Oh, I did Are the you... same thing. I literally did the same yeah. thing at the screening I was at too. Yeah, like Warner was there, and I was like, no, stop that. Yeah, <laughs> like I had I had four guys behind me, four you know teenage guys. They had to have been like nineteen, eighteen, or whatever. They were, you know, they had their own commentary going mm. during the movie. Any other movie, I would have, like, turned around and given them the demon eyes with the mm-hmm. shush and whatever. Right. But I gave them, like, one or two stern looks, and there was one guy where I was like, guys, come on, please. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, everybody, you know, paid to be in here. We don't need to to hear you as well. Yeah. But um, I, I just, uh, I mean, we'll get into spoilers and whatnot. Um, I, positives though, I do want to say some positives before we move on to Bob really quick. Uh, I did, with the exception of one person, I really, really did enjoy the cast. I Mm -hmm. felt that everyone, um, 
gave a solid performance with what they were given. Mm-hmm. Um, I did also have a couple of issues with uh, Lois Lane, the the complete lack of of uh, chemistry between yeah, the oh characters yeah. was definitely yeah. felt. Uh, I felt some of the things. I felt like a lot of what her character was supposed to represent was we were we were told rather than actually see her do things. I could have done with uh, maybe a, like a couple of minutes of her on her own doing mm-hmm. her own thing, maybe tracking someone down, exposing right. someone. Instead of telling me that she's a two-time Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, show me mm-hmm. that she's yeah. capable of doing these things. Yeah. That was my big issue with her, too. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. They, they d- relied on telling us that instead of showing us. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. For absolutely. the 25... I'm just saying, for the 25 minutes that we got of hucking Superman and Zod through building after building mm-hmm. after building, for all the time that we spent on that, that time could have been spent so just you know fleshing out other characters doing more more background more emotional beats um and i understand it's a Zack snyder movie that's what you're gonna get but to me that nothing about this film said superman to me there were glimmers Mm -hmm. there were glimmers but at the end it was very depressing Mm -hmm. it was very dark very off model Mm -hmm. grossly Mm -hmm. um but I did enjoy some of the performances, but the one performance, and I'm, I don't, I'm not going to go on and on about it, but I just need to voice. Uh, I let Zurer, who played uh, Lara, who is uh, Kal-El's mother mm-hmm. at the beginning of the film. Uh, I've seen a lot of movies in the past, and I, this is going to come off as ridiculously harsh, and people might think I'm being ridiculous. I, I can't remember a time when I was watching an actress on film where I literally felt physically ill for how how poor her performance was. She was an emotionless corpse. In <laughs> way to keep it classy, Steve. Yeah. No, seriously. In a in a in a situation, everybody knows this. This is not spoilers. Everybody knows the story. When you're jettisoning your your son into the stratosphere, your planet's blowing up. You're you're about to die. Her her dialogue, her reactions, her everything about her in this film, it bothered me. Mm. What, the only time I enjoyed her was when she wasn't talking. Um, just this morose. I'll be. I'm done. I didn't like her at all. Uh, really? Yeah. I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm sorry. Shocked. I'm sorry. She. I've seen her in other stuff where she was far better. Mm-hmm. She's not a terrible actress by any means. Just in this movie, I felt like it was. She was in 300. So it was kind of mm-hmm. one of those like, oh, why don't you come over and do this with us kind of thing. Not Maybe not the best choice. Uh, you really needed somebody who could emote for mm-hmm. those moments. Uh, and especially, especially standing next to Russell Crowe, who is somebody that I don't always enjoy, but in my personal opinion, did very, very well as Jor-El, mm-hmm. scene stealer uh, a lot of the time, uh, just came off as flat, and and completely for the start of the film turned me off mm-hmm. immediately. Right. Um and there was a lot of Panzer Dragoon going on in Krypton. I did enjoy seeing parts of Krypton though. Mm. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Seeing the technology and the creatures and the environments, that was neat. Yeah. Uh I would have liked a little bit more of that, actually. So right. I'm gonna let I'm, I've talked too long. I'm gonna let Bob have a moment. Yeah, Bob, go ahead. 
Uh, should I give my email address now? Or, or just, um, anyway. Send your uh, hate mail. Yeah, to... Steve you, Say you, at Talking Comic Books. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bring it on! <laughs> I, I enjoy Zack Snyder's movie. Mm-hmm. Basically, all I think of we them all do. Today. I think we're all pretty big Zack Snyder right. fans. Yeah, I really thought hiring him was going to be a mistake coming on mm-hmm. just because of what the tone of his other movies have been. That said, as the trailers mm-hmm. kept getting closer and closer to release date, it seemed like, okay, maybe I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Prove me wrong here. They seemed more epic, more heroic. Yeah. And I thought I was heading to a, a really nice, pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are things I liked about this. As everyone's saying here, the performances, I, I like Russell Crowe in a lot of things here, particularly as sort of hologram Jarrell. Yeah. He is just really, really supportive and good to his son. You get those glimpses of the Brando thing from yeah. the Donner films that he's going to teach him these things. And he has my favorite quote in the movie, you're a child of earth. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. Now, sadly, Mr. Goyer doesn't listen to himself because they, <laughs> they play the outsider angle forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Costner was great, though I didn't like what he had to say and what mm-hmm. he had to do, but within what it was he was doing, yeah. it was effective. Diane Lane, that scene in the school yeah. is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- I really, really enjoyed that. So they were very, very good. And, you know, as I wrote, you know, so was the popcorn at the matinee <laughs> I saw. <laughs> Beyond that, um, look, this is me. This is my opinion. You mm. guys know I've been at this Superman thing since George Reeves, since mm. I'm a little boy and I didn't have to go to Sunday school. I could stay home and watch Superman <laughs> and then bought the comic books. Uh, for me, this is probably my least favorite superhero movie of all time. I find it ill-conceived, wrong-headed, off-model, and as bad as something like Catwoman was, mm-hmm. it didn't take a dump all over Catwoman. <laughs> it was not Selena Kyle. It was yeah. Patience Phillips. It was somebody else. Yeah. We'll make a bad movie with a bad script and bad mm-hmm. acting and bad effects, and mm-hmm. okay, we move on. Mistake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a movie that's so embarrassed of its source material, they can't call him Superman. Mm-hmm. For the entire running length of the things of mm. one, yeah. ha- one and a half. Yeah. Um, we are looking at two and a half hours, and where's the moment that says Superman? Mm-hmm. The He's saving someone. He's doing something important. Uh, a gee whiz, isn't this fun? I'm so mm-hmm. glad I came here. I'm so glad he's on our side. And I just I didn't catch any of that. And I, it's, it's loud. It's bombastic. It's filled with special effects. That doesn't make it epic. Doesn't make it engaging. Nope. Uh, it's got a flashback structure that might work, mm-hmm. except that the moments they choose to flash back to don't resonate at all. They're mm-hmm. kind of out of sequence. We get a, a, a weird thing with Pete Ross. I'll just we'll discuss later mm-hmm. as we go. That seems to be he's kind of a jerk, mm-hmm. uh, considering what he does here. And I'll finish off with this, and then we'll all get, we'll get back to this roundtable. Uh, to me. As with their current comic books, DC has chosen this dark side. And that's certainly their mm, choice to do right. so. It's their material, their character to do with as mm. they will at this point, having paid off the seagulls or whatever's <laughs> gone on here. How is it that Wars in DC crafts a movie with the most beloved children's hero of all time, worldwide, and makes a movie that you can't take children to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'll just well said. leave it at that. Absolutely. And th- again, and this is one of the things, it's not to say that the movie should be kitty, but the things that happen in this movie are not something, I wouldn't take a 12-year-old to go see this movie. 
You know what I mean? And that's, and it's PG 13, but everything's PG 13 now. So like, and I agree with a lot of what you're saying, Bob. And I, I think that, we, you know, when we talked about, and this is without getting into spoilers, but we talked about Iron Man 3 and the choice that they made, and you, 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 you did not like it at all, and I liked it, um, uh, but the choices they make here, you know, that I didn't care because it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's not the main character. It's, they still stay true to that main character. Mm-hmm. There are things that the character of Superman does in this movie that, you know, across a 75-year history of his existence, maybe there's once or twice in a one-off story that he does something that's similar to what happens here, but the overriding theme of Superman is not what they put out here. And let's just say this, that Green Lantern movie they made is not very good, but at least it's true to the spirit of that character and has a sense of fun to it. This movie is devoid of fun. You know, and I'm not talking. I'm not talking about like, oh, we're gonna slip on a banana peel. I'm just talking about like, (laughs) I have no, I feel no excitement watching these action scenes. Right, no '66 Batman fun. No, but how about you know '78 Superman fun? Exactly. Or listen, this movie is darker than Batman Begins or The Dark Knight. Like to me, there is stuff that happens in this movie that is beyond what Christopher Nolan does with the darkest character probably in all of comic books. You know, so yeah. Yeah, that like the fact that that is the case is is beguiling to me. I don't care if the world around Superman is dark, but you've got to have something to to make that world lift up and and it should be him. It should be him exactly. And, and that bothers me. Like that's the thing that bothers me. If events and the way things happen, and you know, you know, uh, what happens to Pa Kent and the way he gets to where he gets to. That stuff again can be jarring because it's not the way it was. But if if it's if it's true to the spirit of the character, then I would be okay with it. It's just that I, I, there's no moment in the movie, and you, you were saying this, there's no one that says Superman to me. There's not one moment that says that to me. The the action doesn't have majesty to me. It, it, there are some impressive things, like the Zod fight at the end. The way that they, they use strength and the power sets is pretty impressive. I mean, you don't, you, but but. The way that it's put together and the way that it's shot yeah. takes away all majesty and, and, and power from it because everything, it's like the camera is like on their faces. It's very tight. It's so right. tight yeah. that you don't get a sense of, of the bad. scale. Geography's bad. Yes, exactly. And so that's the problem. There's, a t- there's, so, there's so much stuff on screen. There's more, there's more action in this movie than there is in, in the Avengers, but that action does not carry at any me- measure of the excitement that the action in that no. movie carried. Well, without getting into too much of the specifics of that, mm. as Mark Way describes it, mm. disaster porn. Yeah. Which is a phrase I'm going to use from now on. The level of destruction is ridiculous. The level yeah. of destruction is ridiculous. Right. And at no point, something else that happens later, all of a sudden he has a compunction against collateral damage. Yeah. After he's thrown General Zod through 47 apartment buildings yeah. <laughs> in Metropolis and yeah. Smallville, now all, all right. of a sudden well, he's... let's worked. not go into that. I feel like that's even getting into... Okay. Okay. We'll we'll we'll, we'll wait for, okay. for that stuff, but and we'll get to that, that those kind of exact things. Yeah. Once let's we pick get it apart later. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, you know, in in, in general, I have a couple other general. Let me let me just see right here if I have anything else to talk about. That. Uh, yeah. I mean, that stuff to me is like there, there's this there's a, the flying there's a the, the opening shots of him flying when we get the wide vistas of it and the floating and stuff. Those are the only times where I felt any sort of power to it. Uh, and there's only one, there's one moment, I think, in the entire thing where he actually smiles while doing something, yeah, and that's the first time he's flying. He's laughing. 
that moment I liked. I really liked that moment. I was like, okay, this guy is enjoying what he's doing. It reminded me of the uh, the first Spider-Man movie where he's like jumping from building mm-hmm. to building. You know, um, I just wanted a little a little more of that. I wanted that. He says it's a symbol of hope, but I never felt any hope in the entire movie. And, and so that was my problem with it. Stephanie. I did. I hoped it would come to an end. <laughs> oh, good one. Bingo. Burn. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say in generality, Stephanie? Um, I don't think so, but just coming back to and not mentioning it, there's a really interesting article on that BuzzFeed did about the disaster stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like it totals up. Yeah. Like what this would have cost. Mm-hmm. So if you've seen the movie and you're interested in that, look it up because it's kind of interesting mm-hmm. and cool because it's done by professional like analysts who you know do this stuff yeah they did it with the avengers as well yeah 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 Yeah. so i mean it's kind of a fun thing to kind of check out if that's your bag Mm -hmm. yeah it's cool any any other general statements we want to talk about steve no i'm i'm waiting until we okay (laughs) just just one quick one you know why does everything now have to get dragged down to this level Mm -hmm. you know this sort of heinous misread of a character, this dark place where we really need a hero that's slightly different. Mm. And then some have said, well, you can't tell that story. It wouldn't sell if they did Superman that way. And my two-word rebuttal to that is the Avengers. Yeah. Because in the midst of wrecking mm. New York, every hero had a moment to be heroic. Mm. We saw Captain America saving people in banks and yeah. on the street corners and get those people out of the bus and all yeah. this sort of stuff. And there's none of that uplifting, as you're describing, yeah. moment here. And... Wouldn't it have been wonderful to see a Joss Whedon Superman or a Joe Johnson Superman <laughs> mm. movie? And what would that have looked like in comparison to this choice that the higher-ups at DC made? Yeah, I mean, well, it, it, sorry, go ahead, Stephanie. I just want to say for the record, too, that even, you know, the Joss Whedon stuff, how great would it have been to do this? I think this movie, if it proves nothing else, is that, you, you know, individual writers and directors should be given the project and maybe they shouldn't be allowed to lapse over into other things that, you know, maybe just aren't their cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, uh, the, we hear much so all we can say as far as non-spoiler talk is a lot of the problems we have come from things that happen in very spoilerish. Uh, a moment of the movie, especially the end. So, uh, you know, our, honestly, here's the thing. See if you mentioned it was a, a science fiction movie. Yeah. Uh, and it can be both. It can be a science fiction movie and it can be a superhero movie. Uh, this is a very hard sci-fi movie. Uh, it doesn't feel like a superhero movie to me. Um, and it's extremely disappointing if, like Steve said, like if you're a fan of the character. Uh, I, I think that if you're a fan of <sighs> Superman, I, I don't, I don't, I, I can't see if you love Superman, uh, uh, like in an extreme way, how you would come away from this movie being uh, happy. Yeah, I, I mean, oh, that's actually. I'll speak on this super quickly. Actually, uh, I went to the movie with um, seven other people that I knew who are all comic book geeks and stuff mm-hmm. that we all kind of were part of the social media thing. And um, two of the people are like the owners of the Silver Snail in Toronto, and I know like several workers there who also saw it and loved it Mm -hmm. unabashedly loved it right and like i don't get it i've tried to talk to them about it but they're like very irrational in like their love (laughs) versus my hate (laughs) but i mean i don't get how you could be a fan of 
So we have a lot of reaction from listeners too. We got which we'll talk about because a lot of them are going to spoil their territory. Bobby, who like the movie, and we're we're going to give, especially because we've all we all were negative on it. We're definitely going to give that time at the end of our review to read off these these comments. A lot of people spent a lot of time, wrote some very intelligent stuff about how they like the movie, and we're definitely going to get to that stuff. So uh, don't worry about that, guys. Um, if you've seen the movie and you're screaming at, at your pod at your yeah. iPod or whatever because you're like, I liked it. I know, I know when there's no representation here for you. Um, I've been on the other side of that on podcasts and stuff and know what that frustration feels like. Uh, but before we get to that, we are going to say some more negative things about it. So just be prepared. <laughs> uh, so from now on, we're going to talk about spoilers. Um, and so if you do not want to know what happens at the end of Men of Steel, uh, please do not keep listening from this point on. All right. So... Uh, Superman breaks General Zod's neck at the end of the movie and kills him. Yep. Uh, this is this is the biggest part of uh, 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 of the movie, and I think the thing that people are walking away from. I totally thought we were gonna like build up to this. No, we're talking about it first. I'm not. I'm not burying the lead uh, mm-hmm. uh, on this because this is the thing. You know, this is. I think this is uh, the systemic nature the semi seed of everything that's wrong with the movie. This is not getting the character to me in, in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the moment in Mark Wade's piece where he said that somebody in front of him stood up and said, that's it. They lost that's me. It. I'm out. And he's You'll like, that's what me. he said. I know, but he said that the way he, he did it in the piece was, I did, was, I didn't even realize it was me oh, to be fair. Okay. I think a lot of people said that. Yeah. Yeah. Same. So, but let me just say the screening I was at, mm-hmm. at that point, uh, two couples, Got up and walked out. Mm-hmm. They're probably in their thirties, mm-hmm. and a father and his two sons. Yeah, same left, with my left performance the as well. Yeah. So, I, I, just here's a little bit of because I, I when I got home I looked up like what the genesis was because I saw stories popping up about it and I didn't read them obviously because I don't want to be spoiled so I checked them out. Uh, the the story is is that uh, Goyer and Snyder wanted to do this for the ending. Nolan said no. He's like, there's no way you can do this. And then Snyder and Nolan went. Snyder and Gore went to DC, and DC said, "Yeah, sure." Go it was ahead and something do it. important to do. In yeah. yeah. So this is what this is what they said. Uh, and there's a podcast out right now with with Zack Snyder where he talks all about Man of Steel and the making of it. And I encourage you to go listen to it and hear all his rationale. But one of the things he said, and this is a, this is a direct quote: "His aversion to killing is unexplained. Metropolis will be cut in half, or he has to do what he has to do." For me, it's like do does a does a person does a human person need to have a, a event where they kill someone to have an aversion to killing? Right. Does he have to kill someone in a drunken driving accident to right. not drink? Well, yeah, that's that, that that to me rings false completely. Like I, I, as a as a human person, I have an aversion to killing, and I've never killed anyone. You know. The problem is they Yet. want us to believe that you know Superman's been put in an impossible position, but he hasn't. Yeah. We haven't seen that yeah. fight where he can't win this battle any other way. Yeah. What about like the Joker and Batman in mm-hmm. The Dark Knight? Yeah. You know, he still chose to not kill him. Mm-hmm. Like, it just doesn't add up to me. Yeah. And that movie was all about that build up to mm-hmm. that. And yeah. It was still wouldn't have been justified because that character just doesn't do that. Yeah, it, right. And, yeah, to say it's just in his DNA, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's all it has to be is yeah. be in his DNA, and that's what Superman doesn't do. Impossible yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. All 
Superman had to do was cover Zod's freaking eyes with his hands. Yeah, <laughs> or, or with any of the five ton, five tons of wreckage that are laying around. Yeah. Counteract his heat vision with his own. Yeah. Use his super breath. Fly him into space. Yeah. Tell those people to freaking move. Yeah, yeah. Right. Do something. And but what gets me is all of a sudden he has this compunction against collateral damage after he's wrecked all of Metropolis. Yeah. And for three people in a museum, mm-hmm. I will now yeah. do something that. Both sets of my parents would have found repellent and appalling. Yeah. Well, and problem, and I, okay. I, I get that my problems are with Superman themselves, but mm. then the Superman character, but the writing of the film puts these characters and makes them the stupidest characters ever. They're sheep. They're sheep that are being like stalked by wolves and they're just like, oh my God, what do I do? Ah. <laughs> they just don't know. You know, those people had tons of time to run away. Tons of time. And then they just sit in the corner and they're like, oh shit, what we do? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, I have another issue as far as a scene where Superman's saving people, or Clark Kent rather, but I won't get into that now because we're still talking about this. But, you know, these impossible situations that he's supposed to be in, you know, these people are stupid. Like, uh, survival of the fittest much? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, I mean, there's all ridiculous. There's a, that the scene, and again, the, the, to me, like, and I think a lot of the fences they put them in a possible situation. But like Bob's saying, it's not an impossible situation. There's a, I was saying the same things watching it. I was <laughs> like, you know, uh, so I was literally screaming in the theater, and I was like doing hand motions. I'm like, just put your hand in front. <laughs> so I, I think that is is a bad, um, you know, a, a bad reasoning for saying he did what he had to do. You know, there, there, there are the other quotes about them, you know, change, not wanting people to think Superman is one thing and not being safe with them. And maybe this, this stuff is going to be, is going to be part of the story as we move along and how this is means this is the last time it'll ever happen. And he, he now will, he now will have this crazy aversion to never, never doing this again and stuff. And that's fine. We'll see what happens. But we're talking about this movie right now. And the, that moment, eight rank really falls to me. I, I think that. After that moment happens, the moment is, I, 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 there's nothing about the moment I like, but to me, the Henry Cavill does his best to sell it in the performance after it yeah. happens. It's a, it's a, if, if that is any other movie, that's a freaking great performance. You know, he sells that. I feel that pain completely and utterly. I feel that anguish, but I think that it's misplaced in that movie entirely, especially because the next scene we see him in, yeah, yeah. he's like, oh, I just knocked down your satellite, chief. Let's do it, you know, like I, that. Yeah, where kind of, I hang my cape. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a, yeah. that to me. That's that again. That's that narrative dissonance thing. It's he's one thing in the dialogue scenes, it's another thing in the action scenes, and if you're gonna commit to that tone, that's fine. But he has to then, he has to then continue it all, the rest of the time. You can't, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Right. Steve, go ahead. It's, Sorry, no. I'm gonna let Steve go. And then Stephanie, you go. Okay. Oh, I just wanted to say that it wasn't necessary. Well, whatever. Carry yeah. on. <laughs> okay. Um. One thing I want to point out for uh, for our friend Rob was uh, that he he made mention to me last night when we were talking about the movie was this was the first day that Superman had gotten the suit correct mm-hmm. well the first day but it's like the first the yeah. time but it's it's like it's like first his big mission his first debut, big mission yeah, right? yes so in his first day officially on the job he kills a guy mm-hmm. number one yeah number two and this is more important and this is vastly more important uh, for me anyway. Um, kids, Mm -hmm. many, 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 many parents across the world, 
not even just in the United States, but the world. Okay, this is Superman's 75th anniversary. The dude is 75, the character is 75 years old. He is not just a comic book character, he is an institution, he is an icon. Parents that have children have been waiting, comic book parents, even casual mm. parents, people that love Superman, that know who he is, they get wind that there's a brand new Superman movie that supposedly is going to be bigger, is going to fix what happened with Superman Returns, that this is a return to form, this is your new Superman, this is your character. So you've got, you know, on the heels of the Avengers, kids all around the world right now love superheroes. Yeah. They love them. Kids, I saw kids, when I was going to Canada a couple months back, I was in the, in the airport. There were two little boys running around in the terminal. One of them had a Robin cape on. Mm-hmm. The other one had a Superman cape oh. on. Couldn't have been, it was adorable. Couldn't have been any more than four or five years old. Okay. They've got action figures. They've got play sets. They've got their fucking toothbrush is a Superman electronic toothbrush, Mm -hmm. kryptonite toothpaste, whatever. So they go to this movie and their hero, this guy that they have these action figures of, they're playing at home. They're role playing with these characters. They're setting up, you know, their bookcases, a fortress and this, that and the other thing. And they're sitting in this audience and the majority of the film is... Superman beating the shit out of Zod and his compatriots and whatnot and, you know, various types of machinery. I'll get to that later. (laughs) But my point being, you have kids in these audience and parents that have been waiting to bring their children to go and see Superman. This is your superhero. He's in a brand new movie. It's rated PG-13. You know, I'll take you. I know you're not of age yet, but I'll take you because it's Superman. And we can trust Superman. And you you bring them to this theater. I saw parents covering their kids' eyes. I saw parents leaving with their children. Um, he kills he kills them. Yeah. He just he breaks his neck when there was a multitude of other options that could have been written in. He could have been the original ending was that he was going to be thrown back into the phantom zone. Yeah, he still would have died, but at least we wouldn't have had to see it. Mm-hmm. You know and. I just, when when you do that to a character, what's to stop these kids from going home and going to Target or going to Toys R Us or going to wherever and getting their Man of Steel action figures and then two, three days later, you overhear in the living room while you're putting the dishes away that your kids are reenacting this scene mm-hmm. with their action mm-hmm. figures where instead of being doing heroics and saving people, which is what Superman's supposed to do, they're reenacting him breaking this guy's neck. Mm-hmm. What if they grab their little brother mm-hmm. and they come into the kitchen and they're, mommy, look, and they've got their little brother in a headlock and they're they're like struggling with the kid. Maybe people think I'm taking it too far. I don't think so. I think the physical no. violence part is a little much. I think that that's up to a parent. I think right, that right. But I'm you, saying... A, a kid, you, you shouldn't part on your child. You shouldn't break your brother's neck. I no, think no. I'm not <laughs> saying that they're going to break. I'm just saying I've kids... Monkey see, monkey do. Mm-hmm. Kids see things on film. They Even if it's for pretend, mm-hmm. they pretend to do it. There could be accidents or whatever. My point being is that you have now taken this this hero and this character and you've you've added a level to him that perhaps the children haven't seen up until this point because 
he's only done it once or twice, mm. and they certainly haven't read those mm. books, not yeah. yet. Yeah. And then you take them to something that is so widespread, and everybody saw this iconic hero kill his enemy when he could have covered his eyes could have thrown him up in the air when he does that thing where he like musters all of his all of his you know power Mm -hmm. and shoots up into the the world breaking machine terraforming thing why couldn't there have been another moment like that you're in such anguish that you couldn't have just hunkered down and just just shot up into the air and gone through the roof Mm -hmm. you know maybe some of the rubble would have killed him on the way down (laughs) but i'm just saying there were there were options Mm -hmm. you're Superman. Yeah. And instead, they chose to to go this way of him killing him mm-hmm. in front of audiences everywhere with this tremendous crack and snap mm-hmm. and the bone sticking out of his neck as mm-hmm. he hits the ground. So violent. Yeah. Joe Hill tweeted this uh, after he saw the movie. I'm assuming because this is around the time he said, I love Sherlock and I love Batman, but I also kind of love when a hero is a hero, not a sociopath. Kids especially need to believe in decency. Yeah, uh, and it's a major issue. And I know I, you know, the, I understand people, the people who think like, and the people who have the rightful opinion that they did something different, they did something, it, it completely shocked me. I can understand you thinking that, and, and but all the things Steve said, I think, ring completely true. I mean, this is a character who, there's plenty of characters who do stuff like that you can have a character who doesn't and that that makes him special that doesn't make him antiquated it doesn't make him old-fashioned it doesn't make him out of date it just makes him who he is and there's a chance with this character to do something like that to fulfill all those things you know that that Jorel scene where he says you know and eventually they will join they'll struggle they'll fall but but eventually they'll join you in the sun You'll give them an ideal to strive towards. He says that in the movie. In this movie, he says that to him. This is the ideal that people are striving towards, that when you can't find a, a, an answer very quickly, the, 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 the quickest answer is to take the quickest way out, to take the easy way out, you know? Because that's the easy way out. And that's not what Superman does. He should, he's, I don't care if that's what a man would do. He's fucking Superman. He can figure something out, you know? And... We talk about this too. That there's a disregard for human life, and it's not it's not a purposeful. I'm gonna kill people or life, but you know he's throwing he's throwing characters into train yards and into drug stores and like there are people there, and that's and, and like I was reading Death of Superman a couple months ago, this couple weeks ago, and the whole time he's fighting Doomsday, he keeps saying. I got to get him away from all these people. Yeah. I can't. I can't let him. Yeah. I can't let him. People be collateral damage. Bring it over the water. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. So that stuff just bothered me, and it's because it's who the character is. In another action movie, like I said, it wouldn't really have mattered. But it's Superman. Stephanie, sorry, you've been quiet for a while. I'm sorry, we've been we've been going off here. That's okay. I first of all wanted to say way back when uh, that Henry Cavill's role in this again wasn't any fault of his own. No, of he course was not. Just, it was. The dialogue and stuff. Mm. Um, I don't even know. I kind of just spaced out for a minute there. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It That was one of my biggest things with the film is like watching the destruction of it. And it, it just feels so far away from something that Superman would really do to me. And mm. it's, again, one of those things that just brings you out of the whole experience. Mm. And 
there's just too many of those moments for me. Yeah. There's just too many moment ruiners. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just, it was so disappointing. Yeah. Uh, just one quick little thing about, because uh, we're talking about the end. Mm. Uh, one of the things that bothered me greatly about the aftermath of everything that had gone on. Um, and this, this if they had done this, I, I might have saved it for me just a little bit. But the moment where, you know, everything is all said and done and he's, you know, the big scene, the big kissing scene between mm. him and Lois and he's standing there with a big smile on his face, mm. cracking jokes and, yeah. you know, everybody, the sun's coming up and mm. it's all, it's all going to be okay. Superman would have gone back to Metropolis. You had, you had people from the Daily Planet, uh, you know, picking up rebars and, and saving yeah. people mm. from the rubble yeah. that Superman it did never even occur to him, yeah. not even a thing, to go back mm-hmm. and go and help what he helped to to create. Yeah, you know, um, the, you brought this destruction, and you're making out. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, Can it's, I also just point out that the intern that's trapped under that rubble is supposed to be Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, yeah. we know. Jenny Olsen. Yeah, we know. They, that, you know that what came I out from that bullshit. You just created a character that needed to be rescued. Thanks a lot, assholes, for making a strong female character. Cool. You couldn't have just left it as Jimmy? You suck. Like, for reals. Thanks for putting another female character in there that is, like, the worst. On that spectrum, though, Feora is the best part of that movie. She was awesome. She was awesome. She was badass. And I wanted to she say she I was... She really was. I was yeah. She was all this... Xena-like. Yeah, she was. Like, Space Xena. Yeah, That's Space what she um, was. Feora is Space Xena. I was going to sneak this in there eventually because I wanted to put a positive in all this negative. Mm. Uh, I really, really enjoyed her in the movie. I enjoyed her performance. And I, I, the one time I will say the one time where like my my heart actually leapt and I kind of freaked mm. out a little bit. I had like a little bit of a nerd moment. Mm. Was I don't know his name, but the big guy, the mm. big hulking, like the one, the the big fight between Feora yeah. and Superman and the other thing. Like you never got to see his face. He in was in the armor the whole time. Yeah, yeah. I. They never gave him a name in this one. I don't think so. No. Right? But the fact that he was there, mm-hmm. that they included him in this, I I, I wanted to see. I, they had Zod. They had Feora. Mm-hmm. I was like, where's the other dude? Yeah. Like, where's the quiet, brute, yeah. gorilla guy? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, this like they dropped these two in, in like, you know, the, the main street or square yeah. or wherever the hell they are. And I was like, there he is. Yeah. Like, that's him. That's yeah. awesome. And the, the design choices for him were great. Yeah. I thought he was awesome. Yeah. I, and I thought in general, like I, I thought I wasn't going to like the Kryptonian armor and stuff like that. But I, in general, I, I thought that stuff played pretty well. It moved a lot. Like on screen. And I thought that her, they depicted her powers much more, uh, much better than, than Superman's. I thought that oh. her speed and her, all that stuff, I thought they really depicted well. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they didn't do the same thing for him. Although, like, two things about that. Like, first of all, um, in case you guys missed it, I got to go to, like, this costume unveiling thing. Mm. So, like, the first thing I thought when I saw, like, the Zod armor is, like, his hand looks like like the hand of Sauron. Sauron, yep. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's like Lord of the Rings! Yeah. <laughs> and then, okay, so we're talking about the armor. We're talking about Zod and his posse coming to Earth. And then we're going to flash back to a moment here where Jor-El is like, oh, the yellow sun, his body is going to drink up that radiation. He's going to be strong. He mm-hmm. will be a god to them. He will spend 
33 years on this earth. I know he doesn't say 33 years, but whatever. Anyways, (laughs) you know, he's going to spend 33 years and his cells are going to get drunk on this. Mm. They are drunk Mm -hmm. because he spent all this time on earth with these cells, the yellow sun cells. (laughs) Anyways, flash forward to fighting. I call bullshit that Superman is not stronger than all of them. Yeah, it's, it's true. Are literally drunk. That's Throughout a really good point. Though. It's true. That's a really good point. It's absolutely true. I mean, I, I thought we were going to see like a grad. I mean, we did see like a gradual uh, I, ramp of their powers. I love and, when uh, Zod got, was able to focus. Yeah, yeah. Just because Superman told them how to do it. He's yeah. Like, oh. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Well. Oh. oh okay. That's oh. better. Like you know putting on new glasses. Superman yeah. could have been solved by maybe not telling him that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Just uh, shut your pie hole. Um. <laughs> So yeah, and I would. Fiora was great, and uh, you know, but her. My problem is what she's doing in those scenes makes sense because she's the bad guy, and it's just the way that it's, there's reacting going on uh, there. And um, her lines were actually pretty good too. Like she was like when she's talking about how they didn't have any real morality mm-hmm. or anything. Like I got behind that because she looks evil and yeah. she was badass. Yeah, and she did the best job out of anyone. And I don't really. I mean, I looked her up afterwards, and I'm know things that she's been in but i don't think i've ever paid attention to her until now but mm-hmm. right uh well i think this krypton is much more warlike than any we've seen before mm-hmm. which it got to me a little bit at the beginning uh it's, it's fun to look at mm-hmm. but you, you've got these characters hey they caused their own destruction this time they've strip mined the planet yeah. until it blows up mm-hmm. it isn't just an accident it isn't just some solar problem mm-hmm. with their red sun right yeah, and then we get Jarrell basically sends a weapon of mass destruction here, mm. in essence, to change Earth into Krypton, but sends his son after it to sort of, well, here's a something that'll help you learn about responsibility and hope or whatever. Well, you know. Oh, yeah, really, but I don't think he's, Jarrell's not really sending the uh, as a weapon. He's not sending it that way, I don't think. Uh, but, but he knows that that ship is going to breed a race of Kryptonian supermen who are obviously a warlike race to start with. Well, that, yeah, that's the, you're talking about the other ship. Yeah. Talking about oh yeah yeah that the yes the Genesis ship the Genesis yeah. ship but uh, yeah but um, I think th- I'm pretty sure that ship that ship is like he said it's like ten thousand years old or something so I don't I don't even know if he had anything to do with that eighteen thousand eighteen thousand years old or whatever oh yeah can I just say something about that too please please sure please. go ahead um so Superman finds his goddamn suit on that ship yeah how that ship. It's 18,000 years old. Yeah, but How it's is like... there a custom-fitted suit for him? Yeah, well, the custom fit is a little bit ridiculous, but... I call bullshit again. Um, <laughs> you know, my problem... And this is the thing. We didn't really talk about this, you know, in the other stuff, but I don't think they earn the suit at all. I, I, I think that in, in trying to be like, oh, we don't have to do the origin thing anymore, really. We can do a little bit of it, but not too much of it. Um, and we'll just kind of skip back and forth. I think that... You know, even in the Nolan Batman Begins, you earn the suit. Like, by the time he gets in the suit, you're like, the first time you see him in a suit, it's a big-ass deal. And this, they're kind of like, there's like a voiceover going on. He kind of just like steps out, and he's like, I'm out here now. I'm in, I'm in the it Superman be like suit. like the Thor hammer. He has to earn it. Otherwise, it's really heavy. Right. Well, I'm not saying character-wise, but I'm saying in the movie-wise, has to earn it. I know. Yeah. Again, it, it's a darker place, but yeah. Superman's primary colors always said something yeah. and spoke for something. In the Donner film, he gets the suit after spending seven years right. in the fortress yeah. learning from Jarrell what it's like to be an Earthman and a Kryptonian, what you need to be mm. a symbol of hope mm-hmm. and an inspiration and a hero. Yeah. So there's earning it, and here's... Yeah, they just don't. And I, I, think, I, think, I think it just short sells a good... What could be a good moment. You know, it's not a make or break thing. It's more of a nitpick, but it's still, it still... It doesn't... It doesn't work that well for me. Um... So yeah, and the 
um, and then of course there's the moment earlier. Uh, we you know we've all seen the moment in the trailer where we see Clark saving the kids from the bus, and then you know they they find out what happens, and Jonathan comes out and ha- talks to him about that 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 moment, and, and you know she says should I let them die? He says maybe. Uh, there's that scene, and that scene by itself I I I think would be a problem. However, I will say this: this is another positive thing about it. It's not a choice I would have made. But I, I think that it works in the world of this movie. We we flash forward to this moment where this tornado hits Kansas, and uh, there's a moment where Clark can save Jonathan. But to do so, he has to show that he has these crazy powers. The one thing that Jonathan does not want him to do, and there's a moment where it happens. Jonathan shakes his head, and in that moment, what you think about it, I feel like it's a payoff of this. Um, this bond between father and son it's this he's respecting his father's wishes because the last thing he wants his father wants is for people to know who clark is and to take away take him away and, and for him to be you know outcast and all this stuff so the moment he respects his father's wishes and makes a hard choice because it's what his father wants him to do mm-hmm. i can understand that moment i don't agree mm-hmm. with that moment because i think clark would do it anyway yeah, and, I think um, it's terribly false. But correct me if I'm wrong, though. But like again, I know movies are interpretations of the comics and what the screenwriters and you know gotten from it. But in the comics, I believe Pa Kent dies of a heart attack because it's the one thing that he can't save yes. him from. Right? I don't know if that's the reason why they did it initially, but yes, he dies of a heart attack. And like this, I my friend, and she's. She, a hardcore comic nerd literally laughed out loud at this point. First of all, you guys are the worst pet owners in the world to leave your beloved family dog in a car with a tornado. <laughs> Asshats. Uh, second of all, like, it wasn't a matter of Clark showing his powers. It didn't have to be that. The fact is, Clark is younger. He can run faster. Let him go get the goddamn dog. Because he doesn't have to be like, all Superman to do that. He just needs to run faster than an old man. Right, but, uh, yeah, but, but I mean, I think that if we're talking the, the movie, I, I think that Jonathan is more concerned about his wife and it being safe than than himself yeah. being safe. And I, I think know. he knows Clark can protect his his mother better than he can. Mm-hmm. So that that's mm-hmm. the other thing about it. Yeah. Bob, go that, ahead. Um, look, you, you mentioned how you know, Costin's character is, is saying oh, they'll take you away and so mm-hmm. on. In... Donners, Glenn Ford, they're walking up the driveway and they have that conversation. When we first got you, you know, we thought the government would come or someone would come and take you away. But now I realize there's a reason. I don't know what that reason is, but there's a reason you were sent to us. Mm-hmm. And it's got to be bigger than touchdowns and, and the rest of it. And if you need Jonathan Kent to die, mm-hmm. to have him die uselessly and be sucked up to go visit James Franco or whatever is just useless. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, No, don't apologize for that. That was pretty awesome. So let's just say for the sake of it, not that I'm a screenwriter, but okay, you know, all those other people behind him in the cars are dying in this tornado too. Yeah. Clark, he'll disappoint his parent to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. He runs, saves his father, brings him back. The father gets it. Mm -hmm. Now I understand you saved all those people and it's for everyone else. 
And then he can die of a heart attack or die from an ingrown toenail. Or mm. I don't even care why he dies. I understand that, but yeah. But then you've got the Superman moment that would be, he's earned the suit, he could mm-hmm. go be Superman, his mom could send him off to Metropolis to yeah. work on the paper. And you've got Superman and you've got your sacrifice that now maybe meant something. Mm-hmm. Where this came to me just, it yeah. was just empty. Yeah. And just flashing back, because I actually wanted to mention something when you were talking about that bus thing. Mm-hmm. Like, um, Clark didn't need to expose himself then either. I'm going to go back to survival of the fittest. Those kids sat in their seats and just let themselves All right, Stephanie, they're children. They're, they're bus- emergency exits. Stephanie, um, now, now you're getting into like, you know, like no. bullshit no. stuff, no. All right? No. no, because they're not fucking three years old. Yeah, but like, Stephanie, Stephanie, just wait a second. Stephanie, just accident. wait a second. <laughs> it's a bus that flew off a bridge and hit the water and was sinking very, very fast with children so, in it. All right? Also... Here, why doesn't Clark just open the emergency doors then, and then people can swim out? He saves their lives. I mean, that moment I think is a Superman moment. He does it without any concern for his his well being or his safety or anything like that. Um, I think calling the kids stupid is a little harsh. You're getting a little into like a a very nitpicky situation right there. Um, uh huh. Me all you uh me all you want. Remind me not to get into a world-ending situation with stuff. Yeah, I know. Like, don't be just a, like, like kick me into the fire. Don't be a fucking pussy, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, Steve. Yeah. Not a uh, social Darwinism. Yeah. Die. Just die. Don't Steve, breed. Steve, you didn't have to let that beam fall on your leg. You yeah. could have just oh moved. Yeah, yeah. When I was a kid, when I was like in fucking senior kindergarten, our bus crashed. You know what we did? Emergency exit. Just I take mean, the leg on. and tie it off, buddy. Come on. Did your butt crash sinking into a deep, deep river? Thank it you. All right. It does not, matter. Like, you can do something. <laughs> <laughs> so, now we're, we're sort of on this bus crash thing. The, the, the Pete Ross oh, thing oh, yeah, with yeah. the flashbacks. Yeah. Where we, you know, he saves him. Hmm. He, there's sort of a problem with the mom and, hmm. and, and the Kents and so on and so forth. We then eventually, get, he rats him out to Lois. Mm-hmm. Then we see another flashback of Pete saving Clark from mm-hmm. bullies. Right. Well, which Pete are you? Mm-hmm. I, you're obviously just not a nice guy. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a relationship in the first uh, nosy reporter that shows up, mm-hmm. you know, in your IHOP mm-hmm. with, with <laughs> yeah. a huge product placement, by the way. Yeah, I'm going to get into that in a minute. I'm not going to talk about product placement. It's bullshit minutia that doesn't matter. Okay. It's in every single movie. I hate it's it. in every single movie. I don't want to talk about it because it, it, undercut, it undercuts all of the salient, real points that we have. Gotcha. All right? That stuff is just bullshit. All right, go gotcha. ahead. Keep going, Bob. Right. So, Pete, what is his, what is his function in this story? Could it have been another character? To be the is person he... who tells Lois who Superman is? <laughs> right, but, but why then set him up for those... He should be his best friend forever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And no, so I agree with that. why do you turn him into that? Yeah, I mean, I, I will say... this. That's one thing I did like, actually. Uh, I mean, obviously, the, I didn't like the movie, so in the future, it doesn't really matter to me, but I did like that we're not, we wouldn't have movies of Lois trying to figure out who Superman was. I didn't need to see it. And I liked the way she figured him out by doing being a reporter. And I liked that part of it. You know, I didn't mind that she knew. And she was the... I like I, I liked the idea of setting it up if I had eventually wanted this to be kind of the the seed for all these movies that they reversed it a little bit that she was kind of helping and protect his secret instead of being one of the people mm-hmm. trying to figure out a secret. I liked that kind of dichotomy. But it didn't work because their relationship didn't work that yeah. well. Um... So, I mean, that's really all the points. I don't want to... We've been talking about it for an hour already. I don't want to keep going. 
Can I just ask one one question? Yeah. Uh, two, actually. One, um, how did you feel about like, young Clark? Uh, why, why was he picked on? We just supposed to, that's just the way kids are? Yeah. I mean, that, that, that I buy. Like, I don't know. Like, there doesn't have to be a reason. Because he me. was quiet? Yeah, because he was quiet and kids are dicks. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's, I, that I never, you know. Um, did it bother anybody that Lois was climbing on the side of a, uh, it's a ice-covered mountain with no See- gear? No. That doesn't necessarily bother me. What bothers me is Bothered like me. she manages to find him by taking a picture in the dark in the middle of the night and sees him. With her Nikon camera. Like, no. Which is the camera that photographers use? Yes. No. Like, I, I don't buy that. Well, you could, going I mean, after, you could do that, like, though. Him, going after him to check out the story, I can buy to an extent up until the point where she's on a glacier in the middle of the night that she doesn't know whether it's safe or not. Oh, see, to you me, know. that's Lois Lane all over. Like, Lo- I get that. I get that to an extent. You know. But, like, I... It, to me, that moment, that's Lois Lane. Lo- Lois Lane will do anything to get the story, and she has no concern for her own personal safety. Every Superman story I ever read, it, it, that's what happens. As far back as the 30s, the yeah. cartoons, yeah. So that I have no problem with. I believe she would walk out... So her going on to Zod's ship with no qualms? Yeah. All right. She's, that I like, because that's, that's, her, that's heroism to me. She has no powers. She could be killed in a second. And she's willing to walk on this ship. And, and, yeah, I didn't... And I like, I like that. I like those moments. And some of the stuff she does, I like. Like, I think that's a little weird that, like, she figures out how to stop them with the help of Ghost Jor-El, I think is a little <laughs> bit weird and, and kind of not fulfilling plot-wise. But I, I think that, yeah, she gets in some damsel threat situations, and I don't like... She falls like eight times or whatever, and I, I think that's, that's stupid. She, she's also got incredible military clearance. Well, she, well, she does. Yeah. It's, she's the daughter of a general. general. Yeah. Yeah, she is. It's just a bit like... There's parts of her that I like in the film, and then there's just parts of her that are just completely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, I mean, yeah. To some extent, though, the, the, you know, she has to be a damsel dress sometimes because that's Lois Lane's role sometimes. So she can't always be that way. But I, I think that it can't be a full stop. Not there. And again, I think a lot of it was her dialogue. Like, mm. I laughed out loud when she's taking that serious moment when she's trying to crash the ship with, like, you know, to send everyone back into the Phantom Zone, and she's like, "I think, I think it's supposed to go in." All the yeah, time. yeah, that's a weird and moment. With, like the weird dildo ships and yeah. like. <laughs> All yeah, that that is a very. Did you know that yeah. the first kiss is usually the best, and everything oh. else after that is downhill? Yeah. Uh, that's okay, because I'm an alien, so it doesn't apply. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. In so front of the smoldering scene, was yeah. like he's got to have like the most awkward boner, like <laughs> in that super tight suit, like no. super cod piece. Um, yeah, I oh. think that that moment plays false only because again, this is having your kicking you two stuff. You can't have jokey moment if you're gonna be doing this kind of Holocaust. Exactly. Him killing people things. So it's, that's it's totally. The Roland, it's the Roland Emmerich ID4 ending. Look, we have fireworks. Yes. Five billion people are dead. Yep. Metropolis is a smoking ruin. Yeah. 100,000 people, half a million people yeah. are dead. It'll yeah. be years until they rebuild. Yeah. That's tough. Oh, but not the Daily Planet. It was right. He gets yeah. to have a job two weeks later. <laughs> yeah, they were right up and running. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, there I we just go. had a problem with her dialogue. Obviously, we did not like the movie. No. Um, but before we get, we're, there's a, plenty of good responses we're going to read out of our, our listeners, mm-hmm. and I'm going to definitely read those out. Before I get there, we, you know, we have been talking a lot about this, um, uh, you know, possibly op- starting what would be a shared DC universe, uh, and there are a few hooks in the movie um, uh, that are there. Uh, for that, uh, just really quick, we'll go over the Disney mm-hmm. eggs. We uh, the LexCorp thing is obvious. We see two trucks that way. I, you know, I, I think in 
a movie that I like better, that's a really cool way to kind of just be like, he exists. And we'll see him soon, but we're not going to deal with him right now. The Wayne thing was cool. It's on the satellite at the at the end. That's interesting. The satellite that uh, when they when the 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 fight between Zod I know and the satellite. I just didn't notice. Yeah, there's a the, Wayne uh, Enterprises yeah. logo on it. I'm um, too busy trying not to kill myself. Uh, <laughs> there's a uh, uh, the, the little stuff. There's a Blaze Comics logo, which is the comics that publishes the Booster Gold oh. comics in, in 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 the DC universe. Uh, Emil Hamilton, Hamilton yeah. is a Star Labs guy. Uh, but one of the biggest ones, and in the pre- there's a pre- prequel comic that came out with Kara uh, Zorel, Supergirl, on Krypton fighting and then being sent away in the ship. Uh, and when he's in that Genesis ship at, yep. in, in, in the movie, there's, a po- there's all these pods with like skeletons in it, and there's one pot open with nothing, nobody in it. And they haven't said that is Supergirl, but th- that is the, the belief that that is going to be Kara <sighs> Zorel. So if, if they get there. I just, I just want, I want to put that out yeah. there, and, and to that extent, I mean, I don't want to belabor this because we, we obviously talked about it and answered it in our uh, reviews. But uh, Bailey on Facebook was asking if we, we wanted this to be the, uh, the foundation for a shared DC cinematic universe. Would you prefer to start from a blank canvas with a different solo film, or even kick things off with teams assembling? Thanks, guys. I love the show. Obviously, we're not going to repeat. We don't think it should be because we didn't like right. the movie. Well, I've been saying why don't they make a Wonder Woman movie now it's please don't make a Wonder Woman movie if this is what it's going to be like right right yeah yeah I mean if 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 I took if I took away anything from uh Man of Steel it's that I'm now fearful of what the what these other movies are going to be that if this is the this is like the universe that they're looking to create this dark depressing universe not to say that all the movies are going to be like yeah. that I don't know that mm-hmm. But if this is the jump-off point, if this is where we're starting, it's not not off to a good start, and it does not instill me with confidence in mm-hmm. whatever their plan is. Yeah. Um, it does not bode well for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really quick, going through, uh, this is Sean. Uh, Sean on Facebook says, this is, these are a lot of positive comments. Amazing, DC brought their A-game and used the Batman model for success. Dyer Harris says, uh, it had flaws, but I thought it was good, and it's a good starting point for the DC movie universe. It'll be interesting to see what Bob has to say on the podcast. Uh, Christian says, it was awesome. Bravo, Snyder. Uh, Rob says, I loved it. There is enough edge and enough w- what makes Superman Superman. Still a step down from the new Batman movies. Um, and I also I put a post on to... Um, onto our website to ask people what they thought. And we got a lot of responses. It, it, it was really, really cool to see that, how many people uh, got in uh, on the kind of discussion there. Uh, I'm going to wait for the webpage to load up. Uh, here we go. Uh, so b- before that, actually, while that's loading up, I'm going to go to my email because we got a uh, rather lengthy email from a uh, frequent writer in uh, Samuel Moon. Samuel Moon. M-O-M-O-O-N spells moon. It does. (laughs) Uh, Here we go. Uh, From Sammy Moon, he says, Howdy, comic crew. As I stated in the past, Superman is my favorite character. It started with reruns of the George Reeves Adventures of Superman and the Fleischer cartoons and continued on through Lois and Clark, Smallville, and the Christopher Reeve films. Superman Returns was the first Superman movie I saw in the theaters and I've spent the last seven years defending that film. It is the highest budget fan film ever. A true love letter to the character, but it's not a great film. They should have rebooted after 20 years without a Supes movie. Jump ahead to last Thursday night. After nearly two years of anticipation, I finally sat down to watch the special Walmart premiere night screening mm-hmm. of Man of Steel. And I must say that it was one of the most satisfying movies I've ever seen. 
Maybe it's through the letdown of Superman Returns, but I feel like Zack Snyder, David Goyer, and company finally gave me the Superman film that I've always wanted. It's full of references to previous stories and versions of the character, including Birthright, All-Star Superman, and even the animated series from the 90s. And Krypton is clearly the John John Byrne version from Man of Steel miniseries with birthing matrices and a less emotional Krypton. Uh, John Byrne actually talks about that uh, people kept mentioning it to him uh, I thought that the flashbacks to the beginning of this film showing Clark growing up were great it was a nice change up from the linear origin story and Kevin Costner's Jonathan Kent broke my heart he is a hyper real version of John Snyder's Jonathan from Smallville and his final scene brought a tears to my eyes Diane Lane's portrayal of Martha was equally good and she may be my favorite Ma Kent to date overall the entire cast was phenomenal there are two somewhat controversial items that I want to bring up. The first is Lois Lane discovering Clark's secret before he ever becomes Superman. I was shocked by this. I did not see it coming, but I love it. This may be considered sacrilege among Superman purists, but I do not care for the Clark-Lois-Superman love triangle, and this gets rid of it before it ever happens. Plus, it gives Clark a confidant in Metropolis. The second thing I want to bring up is the ending. Superman kills Zod. Again, this will probably make a lot of Superman purists angry. Superman doesn't kill. But I think that movie does a great job with this moment. Did Superman have any other option? Sure, he could have flown Zod out of there or tightened his sleeper hold or knocked Zod out. But what then? There is no prison on Earth that could hold Zod, and Zod forced him to do what he did. Zod had a family trapped in a corner and was, was using his heat vision to threaten them. Heat vision comes from the eyes. He could have fried them at any moment just by moving his eyes. Superman could only control his head. Zod's entire purpose in life was over. He said it was going to end with one of them dead. If you think that about it, if you think about it, Zod won. He forced Superman to do the one thing that he didn't want to do in killing, and not just killing, but killing the last of his kind. Superman is now officially the last son of Krypton. Krypton. I know this email is incredibly long, and I apologize, but it's Superman, and I have a lot to say. But just one more thing. The people comic featuring Kara Zor-El, a.k.a. Supergirl, and he goes on to talk, talk about what we just talked about at the end of our review. That is it for now. Thanks for all the hard work you put into the show and site. You all rock and deserve much praise. Samuel, don't tug on Superman's cape, Moon. Uh, a Jim Croce reference. So there we go. Um, uh, so let's bring up the website. So Samuel, thank you very much. Long email, but very, very well written and got your points across very well. This is from Ryan Carroll, uh, wrote on, on our site. Uh, he said, I thought it was a decent movie. The soundtrack was epic, and most of the actors did a superb job. The standouts for me were Russell Crowe as Jor-El. What they did with Krypton before its destruction definitely added to the film, and I thought they had a decent handle on the character. However, there were quite a few detriments to the film, not least among them is its need to over-explain itself. One such, one such example is when Clark is telling his mother, telling him that he's found his people. It's an awkwardly worded and acted scene because you never see it happen in film. From a directorial perspective, the members of the audience already know that Clark has found his people, so there should not be a redundant on-screen moment where he explains this. One of the other big things that poked out at me was the excessive destruction. Now, this isn't a criticism of, the super, of that Superman that Goyer and Senator have crafted. I think that being very new to fighting and such, the Superman would not have a real handle on his powers and his fighting skills enough to prevent the damage to Smallville and Metropolis. It's the way... It, it's in the in this way that I disagree with critics. Again, it's a problem from a meta standpoint. It's not a problem that Superman causes destruction. It's a problem that the filmmakers inserted that much destruction in the first place. Uh, he, he wrote a long comment. Just want to add some things I forgot. Clark's <laughs> becoming Superman felt way too easy. Like there should have been much more exposition before he could put on the suit, which I noted magically gives you a hell gives you a gelled haircut and makes you clean shaven. The cause of this may have been the gradual flashbacks or real this childhood as opposed to having it be linear. On that note, Lois and Clark had little, had little romantic chemistry. The relationship at the end felt also felt very unearned. Not that they're bad together, but it felt like there's a whole movie's worth of stuff between them that we didn't see. Last but not least, I think the anguish Soup felt after killing, Soups felt after killing Zod uh, wasn't gone into enough and not well enough. I just 
imagine that it would have been so much more powerful and affecting if he had just sort of silently uh, stared at Zod's corpse or sat there in his despair as opposed to just bawling out with Lois holding him. He should have felt for him because he had to kill, not because he feels bad for killing Zod specifically. Overall, I think Man of Steel will get 3.5 out of 5. It's got a great action sequence, it's an epic soundtrack, a great villain, and conflict, and a decent, if loose, grip on the characters. The problems with the movie, though, including, but not limited, those above, drag it down. Um, uh, so that, that's, what, that's, that's from Ryan. Uh, th- this is John D. wrote in, I thought Men of Steel was a solid B-plus movie. I'm not sure what all the vitriol on the internet is coming from, but I suspect something has to do with that being an adaptation of such a beloved comic book character although i haven't read many superman stories just mostly elseworld tales i see this film as Zack snyder's version of superman in the same way that grant morrison writes the character differently than jeff loeb or mark wade i understand that superman was created with certain inherent principles but i can't get behind the idea that superman uh or any comic book character for that matter was done wrong when there's so many varying versions of the character to begin with batman is not known for killing or using a gun yet in the nolan films he uses many vehicles with guns and causes a fair amount of collateral damage not to mention these are fictitious characters having abraham lincoln shoot lasers out of his eyes would have been wrong comic book characters are ever-changing depending on the person or, or persons at the helm. I know there, there's a lot of hubbub over the final scene in which Superman actually kills Zod, but from a cinematic standpoint, I thought that was one of the best scenes in the entire film. Here's a character who has been told he needs to use his powers for the betterment of mankind, and he's put into an impossible situation in which killing Zod will ultimately save the people of Earth. In doing so, he, he also chooses to kill the last Kryptonian and essentially put an end to his people. My other point is a simpler one. There might have been flaws in the film, but I didn't notice a lot of them while watching it for me. That's kind of an enjoyable film. There might have been some flaws in The Dark Knight, but whenever I watch the film, I'm so absorbed that I don't notice. The Dark Knight Rises, on the other hand, I couldn't enjoy as much because I saw all of the blemishes. So thank you. This is John D. for that. Um, this is from uh, MikeMan1090. I really liked Men of Steel. The choice to kill Zod was definitely a bold move and really had some meaning behind it, which I liked. Like, after killing Zod, you get the sense that Superman really believed Kryptonians and humans could live together, but deep down he knows that they can't because of Zod, and so he decides to kill him. Even though I like that bold choice the filmmakers made, I really wish they could have played it out a little more. I agree that the humor was hit or miss, almost entirely miss, and that Lois Lane was a weak character in the movie, and hopefully they can make her a strong and more likable character in Man of Steel 2. I also think a lot of people were expecting to see a more Dark Knight kind of movie, and I've even seen people mistakenly say that Chris Nolan directed the movie. I also enjoyed the flashbacks too, as I thought it was a neater way of telling the story than going into chronological order. Um, the cinema- cinematography, acting, and special effects were cool, especially seeing Superman fly for the first time, which felt exhilarating. Um, uh, so he says, I think it'll be a little bit of disappointment in this film, but overall I give Man of Steel a V plus to an A minus, but again, this is just my opinion and people really should go see it for themselves and not let reviewers deter you from seeing or liking the movie. Anyways, love the podcast, been listening to it for the past year and you guys helped me get into comics again. Um... So this is from Christian. This is another another liker of the movie. I really liked it. The end scene with Superman killing Zod was very powerful, and I really uh, and I really enjoyed it. My only gripe with it is that Superman destroyed all the babies, and this is the Genesis ship, without batting an eye, and then gets all teared up after killing Zod. That is the only thing that bothered me. Um, the scenes from Krypton were amazing. Jor-El was was played very well. Uh, he says for a Superman movie, I think it was the one I have been waiting for. Uh, the other Superman movies did not have the action. I think they really needed to feel like Superman. Um, sorry, I want to... Okay. Uh, and this is from Wayne. Um, Man of Steel, an expansive movie with sheer size and volume that overwhelmed the senses at times. 
Where to begin from the beginning? I must admit the part I was least interested in turned out to be very enjoyable. The Krypton events and visuals are done very well and added value to the Superman data uh, base in my head. The explaining of the culture way in which Zod and Jor-El were set up was captivating. Michael Shannon pulls off Psycho Zod and an actor who is an unlikable fellow in real life. Russell Crowe was likable. The origin was fun. Uh, the Kansas life intertwined with Clark trying to find himself was was just enough. Mm-hmm. Kevin Costner pulls off a great pot Kent. Henry Cavill's a stone cold winner of Superman nails it. Uh, the investigative reporter shines. Lois Lane determining who the mystery man hero is took about as long as my trip to refill my Diet Coke. Adams is a good Lois, not great, but good. Why Lawrence Fisherman was in the movie is beyond me. He had no value and they wasted him. Um, action, action, action. The battles are loud and destructive. Then they get louder and more destructive to the point that the battles were characters themselves. Mass destruction of both Smallville and Metropolis became excessive. I'm not PC. I'm, I'm guessing he's saying politically correct mm-hmm. uh, by any means. But the fighter planes crashing into a ball of flames in the skyscraper and then it falling gave me an instant 9/11 recall thoughts and the part that could have left a part that could have been left out. The fight seemed to go on and on while visually stunning. After hero villain was being slammed through five buildings, do I need to see them slam through five more? Just when you think it's over, another epic battle and loud and more being slammed through buildings. Hell, I felt sorry for the buildings and didn't care as Zod or Superman survived. Uh, my conflicts about the movie. Too much ghost of Jor-El weakened Superman's authority and the buildup as the hero. Lois and the ghost of Jor-El came up with the way to defeat Zod. Superman was all punch and brute force. Where was the intelligence, the planning, the way he should have used his strength as deception, or, or he was or had planned something to really win the battle? Two weeks' attempts at humor were so forced and out of place. Downhill after the first kiss, and he's hot both those moments. Stick to the story, you guys are not just Whedon. Um, any, and my main concern, Superman kills? What the ever-loving fuck was that? I was stunned at the ending. My Superman doesn't kill. How after fighting for what seemed like a damn week, does Superman all of a sudden overpower Zod so easily? Um, uh, he said it was, he, but he still found it entertaining and a good effort from DC, uh, to make a, a, a movie that, that competes with Marvel's. Um, with the dark tones, lack of humor, and generally difficult characters to make live action, uh, Just League will be a tough one to pull off. Um, so that's, that's it. So that we got, we got some more comments, but those are, those are the best of the best. And I wanted to read some positive stuff because obviously we were being all negative and I wanted to give those opinions, uh, the chance to, to come out there. Uh, so that's our reveal of men of steel. Uh, again, guys, info at tongcomicbooks.com at tongcomics on Twitter and facebook.com, uh, slash talking comics and talking comics, talking comicbooks.com is obviously the website. All of those things I just read, those long e- things were all from there. So uh, if you guys want to write in there, I'll, I'm going to try to do this more often where I put what do you think posts up so we have uh, some more discussion to talk about from you guys uh, in those types of uh, situations. Um, uh, w- Rob had one question. He just, he was, and I think Bob, you'll be able to answer some of these and I think we answered some of them along the way, but uh he wanted to know if the Krypton natural birth versus harvesting has ever been a thing in the comics before that you remember. Um, well, again, Byrne went for the sterile Krypton right. as mm-hmm. instead of the Flash Gordon-esque one right. of the 30s and, and through the 50s. So mm-hmm. that's where that begins. I, didn't, I haven't read Birthright, so I can't tell you what. That's not in Birthright. Uh, no. But the other question he had was the S being a family crest symbolizing hope. That's from Birthright. Yeah, uh, that's a very big part of birthright. There's a, actually a few things that are are, are directly from there, um, a, including the way they start the movie, which is they start on Krypton, the the rocket crashes, and then they cut to Clark as a young adult. That's exactly what they do. 
uh, kind of finding himself, what they do in in that book. Uh, and Potkin's tornado death, I don't think it's ever been done before. Again, I haven't read every Superman story, and they've done a billion, million ways of him dying, so I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah. So Burn that, had him live. Yeah, I mean, there's been some. Yeah. I mean, he was alive in the... Uh, when Jeff Johns was doing action, he was still alive. He was a, he, he kind of, yeah. Because that's, yeah. uh, that's what Mark Waid does as well. They're, they're like younger, more kind of virile. They're kind of this group of, kind of very much this Pa and Ma Kent in a lot of ways. Uh, just, you know, Pa doesn't die in that same kind of way when he's a young man like that before he becomes Superman. So, yeah. Um, we, we also, I, I, we have, we're kind of running along. I just want to at least leave one email from uh, one of our listeners. Uh, this is from Travis. He says, hey gang, great job on the podcast as always. I recently scored through the bargain box in my local comic book shop and found a rather curious item. A one-shot collector's item comic of Incredible Hulk, Incredible Hulk versus Quasimodo. I merely pur- purchased and, s- and said oddity for a dollar, but I haven't brought myself to read it yet. I guarantee, one- I guarantee one of them, if not both, gets hit by a giant bell. I was wondering, <laughs> what is the strangest item you've ever found in a dollar box or bargain bin? Oh, hmm. That's a good question. <laughs> uh, dollar bin? Uh, yeah, definitely in the comic. Oh, wait realm. a minute. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead, Steve. Go. P-Bear. Remember <laughs> P-Bear? Yes. <laughs> I found this uh, extraordinarily perverted uh, dollar comic inside of our comic shop, Tour Comics. Somebody had brought in a from, the, from their basement a whole slew of these comics that back in the day, unless you were 18 years of age or older, weren't allowed to purchase. And for damn good reason. Uh, this was a series of comics that essentially dealt with uh, religious themes and uh, women in various states of undress, maid outfits, the whole hello nurse uh, kind of <laughs> thing. And one of them was called uh, P-Bear, and P-Bear was just a rude, rude bear who uh, basically d- d- grabbed people from their campsites and had sex with them in the woods and did yeah exactly it's very bizarre yeah it it was very bizarre um i don't think i actually took it home no, didn't know. you take a picture of it though wait a minute no i did it was in that bob's comics thing yeah. i do own it sweet <laughs> so that was the strangest thing i actually um i could post a photo uh of the comic if you would like i i can take a photo i still have it at home so that's the strangest thing i ever had p-bear that's very strange. That's pretty I will, strange. I will say that. Mine he had friends, too. <laughs> mine isn't close. It was at a, a Big Apple con. I was just going through you know, the, the cheapy boxes. And Tor Loves Betty. A Tor Johnson Betty Page comic. Ooh. From somewhere in the 90s. Done. I forget what company it was. It was mm-hmm. just, oh, I have to own this for 50 cents. That's uh, strange. Yes. Saucy. It's very strange. Uh, Stephanie, do you have anything? Um, it's been a while since I've gone through dollar bins. I remember finding some really weird things um, at a store I used to go to um, in the West End, but I, I don't recall like what the strangest thing was. I picked up a few of them, and they're in my long boxes somewhere, but I don't know off the top of my head. 
All right, no problem. Uh, I, and I haven't done a lot of dollar bin hunting, so I don't, I don't have one either. Um, one more thing. This is, uh, this is Bailey. He said, with Man of Steel out, Bailey wrote this on Facebook, with Man of Steel out this week and the barrage of various comic book-related video games and movies being released this year, I was curious, who, in terms of branching out into other mediums, truly has their finger on the pop culture pulse? For example, do DC put out better games than Marvel or vice versa and so on? So games... Uh, movies, uh, TV shows, etc. Bob, what do you think? They're very different. Yeah. I think DC's, from what you guys are saying, with the Arkham games, yeah. doing a much better game, deal with the games. Mm-hmm. I think Marvel makes much better movies mm-hmm. uh, at all sorts of levels. Mm-hmm. TV, it's been all DC, but now we have Joss Whedon doing S.H.I.E.L.D. and yeah. the, the extended trailers and that look pretty special. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with you. I think that DC, I, I like Marvel Heroes a lot, the MMO. Yes, uh, excellent. But uh, DC is the first people I think really to get, and that company Rocksteady to really get a character-specific game mm-hmm. really, really right. I mean, the Ultimate Alliance, Alliance games that came out, uh, Marvel, Marvel, they were okay. They're good. They're they're fun games. Uh, but Arkham, the Arkham or, games are on another level. Like Spider-Man, where the highlight of the game is zipping around the city. Yeah. And then the rest is, after you do the first five missions, you've yeah. exhausted all of the scenarios. And yeah. it's just <laughs> cut and paste after that. Um, Spider-Man has some decent games in the last couple of years, you know, hit and miss. But there's, there's some, some pretty good ones. The Shattered Dimension ones was, was pretty good. Uh, Deadpool games coming out soon. Yeah, that, and I think that looks cool. Um, DC kicks ass with their animated stuff. They've just, I think they've always been better. I think that might change now with Marvel being owned by Disney having that kind of arsenal behind them but DC's always been better at that their shows have been better their animated movies are better um, um, so that's why they, what do you think Stephanie um, in terms of video games I definitely have to agree with like DC um, I don't think I've ever really played a Marvel game I mean I played like the Alliance one when it came out because it came with like Xbox way back when mm-hmm. um, but I don't know I, I mean like you said, the Arkham games kind of just really put a really high bar on video games. Yeah. Um, obviously, Marvel's kind of... I mean, for other things, it's back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes DC's better, sometimes Marvel's better. And, you know, I, I don't know... I mean, obviously, like, Avengers and things and the whole leading up to, like, the universe they've created with Iron Man and all those other... In Thor and Captain America, put Marvel kind of in the lead for good comic book movies, and then in terms of animated, uh, it's back to DC. Yeah. So it's all over the place, and again, it's those things where it depends on what you're looking for, because mm-hmm. you know, it, it they're all different games and movies, and it's it, they're gonna appeal to different people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so thank you guys very much uh, for uh, writing in. We have some more questions that you guys wrote in this week that we, we didn't get to, and we'll get to those in the future. Um, and uh, thank you guys for that. And But we've been podcasting for a while and talking about Man of Steel for a while, so we're going to wrap this baby up, and we're going to talk about what's on the stands right now. Some good stuff today. Yeah. Uh, from uh, Aspen Comics, we have Fathom, the Elite Saga, number one. From Avatar Press, we have Extinction Parade, number one. Um, from Boom Studios, we have, sorry, we have Deathmatch, number one. No, sorry, that's a variant cover. Forget that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, there's nothing coming out from Boom Studios, actually, so we're going to, oh, no, there is. Clive Barker's Hellraiser, The Dark Watch, number five. Well, they, uh, of course. And Fanboys vs. Zombies are both out for, for, 
from Boom Studios uh, this week from Dark Horse, uh, The Art of the Last of Us, hardcover, uh, BPRD Hell on Earth number 108, which is The Wasteland Part 2 of 3, Baltimore the Inquisitor, one shot, uh, we have Captain Midnight number 0, Conan the Barbarian number 17, we have Dark Horse Presents number 25, Dream Thief number 2, um, Edgar Allan Poe's The Fall of the House of Usher, number two of two. That's the Richard Corbin one you showed yeah, us last time? Yeah, I'm definitely going to be picking that up. House of Golden Bones, number three. Those. Star Wars Darth Vader and the Ninth Assassin, number three. From DC Comics, we have 100 Bullets, Brother Lono, number one. Uh, we have Animal Man, number 21. Animal Man. Um, Batman and Batgirl, number 21. Sweet. Batman Beyond Unlimited, number 17. Batwoman, number 21. Birds of Prey, number 21. Fables, number 130. Uh, we have Green Lantern, New Guardians, number 21. We've got Justice League of America's Vibe, number 5. Legion of Superheroes, number 21. Red Hood and the Outlaws, number 21. Supergirl, number 21. Wonder Woman, number 21. From Dynamite Entertainment, we've got Dark Shadows, year 1, number 3. We've got Evil Ernie, number six. Deja Thoris and the Green Men of Mars, number four. There we go. George R. R. Martin's A Game of Thrones, number 15. Green Hornet Legacy, number 38. Whatever happened to the Mark Waid Green Hornet? It seemed like a long time ago. I think it's just monthly. Whatever happened to Brilliant? It's not, well, yeah, but come on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We have uh, Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time, The Eye of the World, number 35. We've got Vampirella Strikes, number six of six. We've got Warlord of Mars, number 25. And Warlord of Mars, Deja Thoris, number 26. Um, From IDW, we've got Danger Girl Trinity, number three of four. Doctor Who, number 10. The trade paperback of Edison Rex, which is a collection of a monkey brain series by uh, Chris Roberson. Ah. Uh, G.I. Joe, number five. G.I. Joe, a real American hero, number 191. And G.I. Joe, the Cobra Files, number three. La, 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 la. Uh, Judge Dredd, year one, number three. My Little Pony Micro Series, number five. Pinkie Pie. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, <laughs> villain micro series, number three. About Old Hob. Uh, Transformers <laughs> Monstrosity, number one. Ooh, ooh. Transformers... More than meets the eye. That is correct. Oh, number 18. Hey. Ding, ding, ding. That's a couple weeks in a row you've yeah. gotten it right. Maybe I've got the rhythm finally. Yeah. Wild Blue Yonder, number one. X-Files, season 10, number wow. one. Yeah. Chris Carter is helping to write it, too. Cool. Uh, from Image Comics, we have Invincible, number 103. It Girl in the Atomics, number 11. Sweet. Mara, number five of six. Yeah. Mind the Gap, number 11. Yes. As well as Mind the Gap. Uh, volume 2 trade paperback pick it up uh, Miniature Jesus number 3 of 5 yeah. Revival number 11 Saga volume 2 trade paperback yes. uh, Witchblade number 167 from Marvel we've got A plus X number 9 Age of Ultron number 10 which is the conclusion of that series which has been leaked Finally. online already I know so like- I know Avengers number 14 Cable and X-Force number 10 Captain Marvel number 13 Fantastic Four number 9 um, In- Indestructible Hulk number 9 uh, we've got Morbius Living Vampire, number six. New Avengers, number seven. Superior Spider-Man, number 12. Thunderbolts, number 11. Ultimate Comics, Spider-Man, number 24. Ultimate Comics, The Ultimates, number 26. Uncanny Avengers, number nine. Wolverine Max, number eight. X-Factor, number 258. Aww. X-Men <laughs> Legacy, number 12. Sweet. From Oni Press, we have Sixth Gun, number 32, and Sixth Gun, Sons of the Gun, number four of five. 
From Valiant, we have Bloodshot number 12, Harbinger number 13, and from Xenoscope, we have Grim Fairy Tales Presents Vampires, the Eternal number three of three. Every time that you read the Marvel section, I just it's like start ching, crying. Ching, ching. <laughs> I just, I'd see those those four dollar books just piling up. Yep. It's harsh. the truth. It's harsh. It's the truth. All right. So that is it for the Talking Comics podcast for this week. Uh, a little more negative than usual. We'll be back next year. Mm-hmm. Are I you, think are we you, handled it all right. Yeah. Next week we'll be our usual uh, cheery selves. Uh, <laughs> um, I'll wear a Hawaiian shirt. If you guys want to get in touch with us, you know, nice things order. You know, give a shit for what we talked about today. Yeah, um, to Steve. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm at Bobby it. Shortle on Twitter. Steve. Come at me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am at dead underscore anchorus. Bob? I'm still at Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. Go and, right ahead. Yeah, and Stephanie. And on Twitter, I'm Hello Cookie. All right, awesome. Well, guys, thank you again so much for all the writing. And whether you liked the movie, you didn't like it, I put out that post and we had an amazing response. People taking a whole lot of time to write these really well thought out, well written responses. So I appreciate that. And even if I didn't read out your, your post on the show, I've read all of them. So thank you guys so very much for that. But as I said, that is it for Talking Comics for this week. So for Steve, be excellent to each other. Bob, good night. And Stephanie. Wow. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued.